This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Oh, Canada, you have yourself a special person living up there. My guest, Candace Ward, is that very person. All she wants to do is make an impact on her photo community by creating beautiful visuals. And she's done just that with her Frozen Lake Hockey series of images. How you classically think of just hockey, and you're, most of the time your brain is thinking Caucasian men. That's what you're thinking. Most of the time when you're thinking about hockey. This can be more than that. I want people to be able to see themselves represented in these environments. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to my archives. My guests have ranged from Pulitzer winners, cancer survivors, and sports writer Eric Sorensen. It was always neat to see these guys go on to pro ball and, and become you know, Hall of Famers in a lot of cases. Right. Uh, I almost said, oh, in the case of Roger Clemens, Hall of Famer. Oh, wait, that's right. He's not in there. <laughs> I forgot about that whole. College World Series. Though. Yeah. Oh, college. I think he's in the college. Oh, college Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. we'll give him yeah. that. Yeah. I'll give him that. Because yeah. he was an absolute stud in college. <laughs> All of his sons were great, too, at Texas. God, he's, it's really neat to see some of those uh, some of those players now having, well, makes you realize how damn old you are. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into my conversation with Candace Ward. I am very happy that I have a neighbor of the North on the podcast I, for the very first time. I've never had anybody north of the border, so I've got you, Candace. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank <laughs> you for having me. <laughs> okay, so um, there's lots of firsts that you you could be on my podcasts, right? But I'm going to say you're by the, the most important thing you are on my podcast is probably the one person with the best hair ever to have been on my <laughs> podcast. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> well, it is a bit it's, it is a bit of my signature in a way. Yeah. Um I am known. I am known for that. Um and it's it's fairly calculated. <laughs> was was that something the kids called you in uh, school, like uh, great hair, Candace? Oh no! In school, I did not have good hair. <laughs> I uh, had like I had like in grade twelve, I had short blonde hair. Oh boy! Whoa! Whoa! whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? It looked horrible. <laughs> Were, were you going through a very aggressive phase? No, I just like, <laughs> I just had a friend who was like taking cosmetology. I'm like, yeah, you can cut my hair. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, Short blonde? Bleach it, like, it's bleach and blonde. I didn't care. I'm like, go oh, for it. Oh, God. Well, that's a very man. bad look for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, <laughs> that's a brutal. I, I We got to get the yearbook and find that one. Um, oh, my passport. It's my passport picture. No, it's not. Oh, yeah. Still? Like, for real. No, not now. Oh, then. I do have blonde hair, blondish hair now, but. Yes, it's... but not short and you look like you're on, you know, a roadie in a punk band. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I looked like Jenna Elfman. That was the style. Oh, not Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo? Um, I am not familiar with your old man references. <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> uh, he had short blonde hair too. So I wasn't oh, okay. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, tell tell me this: Where did the wonderful Candace grow up in the great country of Canada? I am from a very small town in northern Alberta um, called it's called Bonneville, like the car, but spelled a little different. <laughs> And fun fact, our hockey team is the Pontiacs. No way. Yes. That is our hockey team in Bonneville. And how how north? Like uh, past Edmonton? Yes, but only slightly. Okay. Um it's it's three hour it's a three hour drive northeast of Edmonton. Closer to the Saskatchewan border. Okay, because this is going to be a, a very educational podcast with a lot of guests learning a lot of, <laughs> or people listening learning a lot about where and, and places of Canada. So that they know that it's like Calgary south of Edmonton. Edmonton is very north. It's not that far, actually, <laughs> from well, Calgary. Well, uh, it, sure, and I wouldn't walk it. No, it's but it's like a two and a half hour drive. Yeah, but in Canada, you pass what? Nothing? One small city in between. Christ. Not anything else. You don't go through any towns or other cities in that time. So is it like mandatory for like nearly every town of Canada to have a hockey team? Um, I'm going to say no, because that's not (laughs) the reality. Well, uh, you got. But the, I guess I guess what level of hockey are you talking? Because yeah, like ice and sticks and guys and gals just beating on each other. Like yes, then I would say like there's there's definitely a hockey community in pretty much every place you would go. Because <laughs> your so, yes, your team was the Pontiacs for good lord. Yes. Oh, how big a town was this? Uh, when I lived there, there was about 6,000 people. That's a small town. But I didn't even live in town. I lived outside of town. So, so like, my school was, like, a kindergarten to grade nine, and I think there was, like, 150 kids in it. Wow. Tell, I went there until I was in grade eight. 150 kids total? Yeah, total. Jesus. You made you made a lot of good friends and a lot of and a lot of enemies that had to be your friends by default. Right. So, like, <laughs> let's say I, I'm ignorant here. So, I'm guessing your grades are similar to how ours are, like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, right? Yeah. Okay. But we're just a lot smarter. So, by, sure. Well, like in grade one, we're learning what you're learning in grade twelve. So, wow. No. <laughs> okay. Shots fired, and we're not ten minutes in. So, in your super smart first grade class, how many kids were in it? Uh, I don't remember, but I do remember because it was, it was grade one. I don't remember but how many like kids 10, 12, like I could you... literally pull out my grade one yearbook if you'd like. <laughs> I love that you call it grade one because we call it first here, second, third, but you're like grade one. It is grade one. I, I, I've never referred to my time in elementary school as grade one. So oh, do you call it oh, grade weird. two, grade yeah. three? Really? Yes. We call it yeah. first grade, second grade, third grade. Oh, yeah, no, it's grade one, grade two, grade three. <laughs> grade 12? You say yeah. grade, you don't say yeah. I was a senior in high school? No, we don't use that system here. See, that's what I'm saying. It's grade 12. <sighs> Metric imperial systems are all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was uh, 100 kilometers long. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
Did you enjoy, or I mean, I guess you, you didn't know any better, the small town feel, I guess, but was it something that was fun? Yeah, I, I, I liked it. It was, you know, I don't know, small community was fine. Um, like, yeah, I don't know any different. Right, you just didn't know. That's That was your biggest world when you are that, that young. Yeah, and like... <sighs> Weekend sucked because, like, what are you going to do? I lived in the bush. <laughs> How close were your neighbors? Uh, not, like, not that far, but they're not, like, neighbors I would go play with because it's, like, my, was my mom's best friend who lived up the hill. Then we actually lived by a sawmill. Okay. So that was, like, just across the road from us. Um, my closest friend lived about a mile and a half away. <sighs> Yeah. I don't use I don't use kilometers in this way because <laughs> the way our roads are measured up were a mile. Like they were measured out by Wait, really, yeah. So like uh, the roads, you would get like I don't know how, the intersection, but it wasn't really an intersection; it's just where it would cross. But they'd be blocked out, kind of like in in a mile in mile sections. Um, so yeah, my closest friend, my closest friend. Uh, was it like ge- like geographically closest friend? We'll say <laughs> was a mile and a half away. Now, my cousin, my cousin lived only three miles away, and she was only three months younger than me. So that was that was great. But I wouldn't really like ride my bike there because it was it's like a highway with really small shoulders right. and a lot of big and a lot of big trucks. And I lived. I live by a sawmill, so there was a lot of logging trucks yeah, and things no. that would go go by. So, not really something you would just go like ride your bike when you're like ten years old down the highway. Did with, like, you a live, foot of shoulder? <laughs> did you live next to a lake? Because there's a lot of lakes out there. No, um, I didn't. Um, but they were like really close to drive to, and that's it's one of the things I actually dislike about being in Calgary is. Like, I grew up in an area that had a ton of lakes, so it was, like, nothing to go to the lake for the day. It's, like, a big thing here. <laughs> right. Like, the different... To go to a lake, it's, like, a big thing. Right. The, there's a big... Once, it seems like when you go into Edmonton, like, there's a big difference in landscape between Calgary. Yes. So, you you have a lot, I guess, you know, of lake choice up in Edmonton where that's not the thing for Calgary. Yes, definitely. So, like... After I'd graduated, after I graduated and was living back home for a little bit, um, that's all you would do in the summer is you just spend like every day at the lake. And of course you had friends with a boat and it was, that's just what it was. And then here it's, it's like going to the lake is like planning for a week and (laughs) (laughs) packing your car, driving for two hours. It's, ugh, yeah. So I miss I do miss that a lot. I'm sure it's yeah, it's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in a very artsy house? I want to say yes, and I want to say no. So my aunt is a professional artist. Okay. Um. So she um. She she does like a lot of drawing, um, uh, painting. Mm-hmm. Um. And then my brother, my brother can draw. He doesn't really do it 
and he's he's fairly creative, but he just doesn't really like tap into that a lot. Okay. Um, and then my mom was my mom was fairly creative as well. Um, but aside from that, not really. Like it wasn't it wasn't something that was like. You know, we didn't do like artsy things together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because being a photographer, you, you don't know who that comes from. The inspiration in the house or well, like was there a was there a camera in the house? Did someone, you know, was the photographer that took family photos and things? <laughs> yeah, we like my mom had a camera. Um, but it like they're just point and shoot cameras. Sure. They're film, point and shoot. And my mom would take the worst photos, like of all time. You'd be like, "Oh, there's like everybody's heads are in this picture. This is a win." <laughs> like, oh. oh boy, so, so bad. Like I remember looking at this picture of my from my brother's grad, and with him and my grandma, and. I don't. My brother's head wasn't in the picture. Well, wait. He's <laughs> the like, guy. So much floor, and I'm like, "What is happening here, mom?" And she used to get so mad at me and be like, "Well, you take the picture, said." Oh like, well. God. <laughs> well, the the woman tried. That's all that mattered. Yes, she'd be very she'd be very upset with me talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you find photography? Um, I would say probably, I don't even know. I was a kid for sure. Um, I wish you found it at your brother's graduation so he could have been in the photo. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, there are still pictures of him with a head. So. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Just not that one specifically. Um, mm, yeah. When I was a kid, I would just, I like, I would play with my mom's camera, but again, it's still just a point and shoot film one mm -hmm. and I used to make my one little cousin model for me she wanted to be a model that was like her whole goal um so I still have this like set of pictures of her uh like posing on a couch posing on a I don't know what you how you explain these it's not like a it's not like a rocking horse but it's like a horse and it had springs on it mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember that one? Yep. Like it would right. be like on a stand. It would have springs. Oh yeah. Then... My cousin had that. Yeah. It would bounce and up and down, move and shake and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like posing on that. And I'm like, I kept these photos and I still have them somewhere because I'm like, I feel like this is like my first shoot working with a model. <laughs> so I kept them. And I How old is she? Them. At the oh, time? She, she probably has to be like seven. Ooh, those are tough models to work with at that point. Oh, but she's working it. Like she's owning it. Like there, she's got like the most like it's. She's very high fashion. We'll say. Uh, did her, her dream become true? Did those no. images help her make it to New York? Uh, she went on a trip to Vegas once. Does that count? <laughs> a couple times. No, she's uh, she's she's got a different career path now. Okay, well. She's successful in her own right. That's all that matters. In, not in not in modeling. I think I won. I think I won that challenge. <laughs> when did uh, you start to think that I really like this? I think I'll take a class or I'll maybe explore it more deeply. It was a while, so I kind of like I I really enjoyed it through school. Like I was always taking pictures of school. Um. 
Like in shop class, I would take, like we had, like you could take graphic design, you could take photography, or you could take like wood, like wood shop, like all that kind of stuff. So I would take <laughs> photography. Um, so that I loved that. It was film then, sure. still, when I was in high school. Um, so I enjoy I enjoyed that, but I didn't think of it beyond that as a career. I kind of had other like aspirations and and goals, so I didn't really think of that as a career path. And then it's kind of funny though because I'll, I'll come back to this. Actually, I'll come back to it, but. Um, probably around, I don't know. I'd been out of school for probably five years, maybe a little longer. Okay. And I was bartending and waitressing and, and, and things like that. And then I'm like, I think it's maybe time to like do something and not just, you know, live the paycheck to paycheck lifestyle and have fun and hang out and party all the time. Uh, my my version of partying is probably a lot tamer than most people, so I'll, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but just go out, just go out all the time, and, sure. and it just you know that grind of getting up and working breakfast shifts all the time because I love breakfast. And um, I was like, okay, I think it's time. Like it's time. I I I decide I decided to go back to school. So photography was something that still kind of interests me so i i took a look at the programs that were available here in calgary because i was living here at the time like i had moved probably maybe four years before that um before i made the decision to go to school so i looked into the programs that were available here okay and we had like it's called it was called it was called ACAD, so Alberta College of Art and Design. And then SATE, uh, where I went, it's called uh sorry, it's Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. They're actually like they almost basically share a campus. Um they're on the same they're just separated by like a sea like a sea train track. Okay. But they're they're almost joined, uh, but they're totally different institutions um one of them was like a four-year degree so at the the college of art and design or at acad it was like a four-year degree and you had to take art history it was more like a university type program then at SAID, it's like it's technical college basically so um like it's two years but it's it's through the journalism program two years so you're learning writing and then photography so i'm like well this makes a lot more sense to me like i can be done in two years i don't have to draw which i'm the i cannot draw just like (laughs) couldn't draw myself out of a paper bag i couldn't like couldn't draw a paper bag i couldn't draw a paper bag i couldn't draw like (laughs) whenever i try to draw a person it's always a stick person and still looks terrible it's like I have the drawing skills of a one-year-old, basically. Um, so that made my decision really easy. Because, <laughs> like, I tell everyone, I'm like, I write, like, writing, I, like, I still, like, I was, I would write my diaries and stuff all the time. So, like, I like writing. Um, so I like writing. So I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to journalism school because 
I can major in photojournalism and I can get a background in background in writing. So this just opens up the potential, the job potential, my marketability. So that's the decision that I made. Um, so yeah, that was like 15 years ago now. Were, were you thinking of like any long-term plan or this is just something I, I want to get into? Oh, in my like foolish brain, <laughs> I'm like, I'm totally going to get into fashion photography. And if you've met me, you've seen, I literally only know how to wear the same shirt in black and my my closet looks like Homer Simpson's closet but with all like black pants and black shirts. It's like the same shirt over and over and over again. <laughs> so like how would I how would I work in the fashion industry if I can't dress myself? Like I don't know anything about it. So that was like my foolish thought getting into it but in reality I think I just misunderstood what I loved and it was I do love portrait photography. Did, did you think when, or did you learn in school, like, or put your effort to that then? Like I'm going to work with people and do portraits. Not really. So was that not offered? Not at the beginning, not at the beginning. So like, as you know, um, like in journalism, photojournalism is all about people. Right. So I just was working with people to start with. So it's not all portrait photography. Like you're doing news, you're doing sports, you're doing features and picture stories and like docu- like documentary photography type stuff. Yeah. But it still all involves people. So I'm, I'm really happy that I cho- chose this path because it really opened my eyes to different, like different genres really of working with people in photography. So like if I hadn't gone to, if I hadn't gone to like photojournalism into the photojournalism major, I wouldn't have really like found my love for sports photography. Well, I mean, it helps that you're an elite athlete. (laughs) Yeah. Let's air, let's air quote elite. (laughs) You have it in your bio on your website. It's gotta be true. It does not say elite. It says probably like bench warmer. I think, Oh, my uh, my Twitter my Twitter thing said like a uh, horrible basketball player. Oh, I, I misread it. Sorry. It says <laughs> I was I was not born with the raw talent of an elite athlete. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just gave you the credit that you know it, you had to be an elite athlete. I've seen those basketball photos and videos on Instagram. I just thought like the woman's gifted. But let's let's like reframe your perspective here. And have you actually seen any videos of me playing? No, that's odd. No. Yeah, there no. you go. It's like you and another gal. Like, who's going to score more points? Who's going to have more rebounds? And but I nine... also can't take videos while I'm playing. There's also <laughs> that part of it. Well, I thought your entourage would have hooked you up. Yeah, some of that. we most of the time we don't have enough people or <laughs> so so there's and i'm not gonna be like hey can you take videos of me while i'm playing like that's just that's i'm not yeah i'm a little more a little more grounded than that where did you where did you get your absolute love for sports so i didn't like i think this is i don't know how do i how do i frame are this? you a late bloomer to sports like was it not around no. the house no no, not at all. Um, 
like I played all through like elementary, junior high, and high school. Played what? Like anything. Okay. So like my school, like I was explaining, was really, really small. Yeah. So, but we, surprisingly enough, in junior high, our girls' basketball team was amazing. Like you, you got to think like we don't have access, access to like any kind of qual like caliber of coaching. Sure. Like we're a country school in the middle of nowhere on the highway with nothing around us. Like you drive past it and you're like, why is there a school here? Like, it's really weird <laughs> to see it. It's just like, there's just a school on the highway in the middle of nowhere. But we actually had a really good basketball team. And the, and the guys team actually had a really, I shouldn't say we didn't have access to good coaching. The guys team actually had a really good coach too. They just, I'm going to say our guys just didn't really have a lot of talent. Okay. <laughs> um, so in, in like junior high, I played volleyball, basketball and badminton and then, um, track like track and field. So like we did all that, but <laughs> like <laughs> the quality of our equipment was pretty low. Our like, there's no extra training like a lot of kids have now. Oh, like yeah. you're, you're, now you're it's not, insane. yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, I've got, I've got younger family members who were playing club basketball and just like the practices and the training and the extra training and all this stuff that they have available to them. I'm just like, I think I would have been a much better basketball player had any of that been available to me. And that was just not the option. Like, I loved sports and I loved playing and my mom, like I will never be able to like thank her enough for this, but she like, we lived, we lived in the middle of nowhere and she never let that limit our opportunities. Like we weren't a well-off family in any way, shape or form. Like I would definitely say more on the other extreme of things, but she worked her part-time jobs to pay for us to be able to go to tournaments, to play sports, and pay for gas to drive us to games, to and from practice. Like, she did all of that so that we could we could play sports if we wanted to play sports. So I played, like, everything I could in junior high, which there wasn't – there was only really, like, the four options. And then – um if you if I could find a picture of the track that we had, you would laugh so hard. <laughs> it's like there was a bit of a groove, a small groove of like for one person in a in in the grass. That was our track. Wow. Yeah, like it was not there was like nothing. Um we did have a long jump pit. It was not bad. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> we had high jump we had high jump equipment. Um but yeah, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, you know, up to what most schools have. Uh, and then in high school, uh, I dropped volleyball. I, I'm not a big fan of volleyball. Um, still played basketball, badminton, uh, did track, and um, joined the curling team. But that was less about being competitive and more just like messing around with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> And that was fun. I actually just, that was just for fun. But um, I took badminton pretty seriously, funny enough. I took badminton pretty seriously through high school. Why? What was the love of badminton? 
I'm good at it. I was just good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, it's really smart. It's a really smart game. It is. Yeah. And it, it just, I just really enjoyed it. And it's, it's kind of like the success is your own. Like I, I'm a really good team player and I really enjoy team sports, but I just really like, I, I really liked having one thing that just really relied on me. So that was, that was kind of fun. Like it was just kind of a fun thing and you didn't have to, you don't really have to like, you know, practices didn't like depend on this or, or you always get to play is the thing. Right. Right. You know, you, you're not going to warm the bench when you're playing singles. badminton. <laughs> <laughs> well, better not. Yeah. So like I played that and then I played high school, like I played basketball, but I didn't like, I, I wasn't super successful in it. Cause I was, I'm a really odd height for basketball. <laughs> okay. You you would we call it a tweener? I guess. <laughs> right. Uh like I'm 5 like 5657. Five, okay. So amongst my team amongst my team I'm the tallest guard or the shortest forward. Okay. So my coach never knew what to do with me. So he, like one practice I'm playing one thing. Next practice, I'm something else. Depends on who showed up. So I never got good at anything. I am a good, like, I'm basically a Swiss Army knife now. When I play now, I can walk out on the court and I can play literally any position. Which is great for, like, recreation bas- sure. re- recreational basketball. Because if you don't have guards show up, like, I can I can shoot and I can, you know. I can play shoot, that. I can pass. I can yeah, give you little can... rebounds in the post. Yeah, but then sometimes I'm playing center. Like, it's, it's, and again, but people do think I'm a lot taller than I actually am because it must be my big personality. And the hair. It, it's true, but it doesn't look the same when I'm on the court. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then my, my love of sports, like, started there. But then I've always, it, it's funny because I always hated watching sports. Interesting. Like, I really hated it. Like, if we also only ever had two channels, um, two TV channels growing up. So if there was like a hockey game on, I would be like livid that, that there was a hockey game on and I never wanted to watch it. I would never watch it and I would never watch baseball. And like, I don't think I ever watched a full game of anything. I'd maybe watch figure skating with my mom because my mom was really into it. But that's it. Like, that's the only sport I would watch. And then... Coming into, like, after I graduated high school, I didn't play sports anymore because this is a problem with most most women and most girls is they give up they give up sport after high school, uh-huh. after mandatory gym classes, which is a complete shame. Um, but, like, I fell victim to that as well, is that I completely gave up any kind of sport in my life. And then when I went, when I went to college... Um, we had to start we had to start photographing sports as part of our assignments and i started playing i started playing volleyball and basketball again um through kind of like inadvertent or like kind of just like coincidentally just my exposure to sports went up and i just started playing a little bit i started playing and joined some like recreational leagues and i've been playing consistently since then minus my Minus a year, little more than a year, I had to take off for injury. But right. uh, that's kind of like 
where my love of sports, like it had, it had died, but it like got reignited in a different way. Through Uh, photography or, or being exposed through it. Yeah. And even now, even now, like I started playing lacrosse a couple of years ago because it's so cool. (laughs) Like it's so fun and it's so cool. And like, I've loved watching it and love photographing it. And I'm just like, I want to play this. Is it big for you guys in Canada? It's our national sport. Really? Yes. Not hockey? No. Our official national sport is lacrosse. Is, Use your Google machine. I, well, I'm no, but okay, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, does that have anything to do with the indigenous people? Like, that's their sport. It definitely does. Okay, it definitely does. Um, but I love it. Like, it is so fun to play. It is so fun. Uh, I'm not good at it, like at all. <laughs> But it is it is super super fun and I've really enjoyed it. But because of COVID, we haven't been able to play. Um, but it's you know I got a few seasons in and I've really I've really enjoyed it and it's, it's been a lot of fun for me. So yeah, photography has definitely like brought sport back into my life in more than one way. How did you enjoy your next trip through college then, or, or, or learning through that photojournalism program? Did it, did it feel good? Did you catch fire and start like taking pictures? Uh, what do you mean? Like, did, did it come natural? Like you wanted like, Oh, I, I gotta start making, I love this. Whatever I'm doing, I, I want a camera around me. Yeah, I think so. Um, it feels so long ago now. Like it's funny because I teach in the program now. So like I try, I I've looked back at some of the stuff that I produced cause I, I look at some of my students' stuff now, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But I'm like, was I really that much better, though? Like, was I this bad? So I look back, and I'm like, no, I wasn't that bad. (laughs) 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 I was, like, I was, but I also have, like, a kind of a, like, perfectionist kind of attitude sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I know that, like, I can follow direction pretty well. So I think that I would have. I had I had a little more of the like compositional skills and the more like artistic skills and the technical skills to start with. Okay. So I I did enjoy it, but my tech like my technical stuff wasn't the best uh for a while. So um why do you think that was? That I'm te- just I'm the I'm just not society came slower. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not like like very like a good at that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm just not very, you know. I'm gonna be like, give me ten years, and I'm gonna be like, I can't read this phone. I don't understand it. Like that's gonna be me. Well, that's in, a like, photographer thing. Either, you know, people are very early in their career. They're like really tech heavy, and they can tell you everything and all this stuff, but they can't make creative imagery. Or they're really creative and they have no idea how to use a flash. Like I don't know why I'm using this lens, but I'm making beautiful pictures with it. I mean, it's very rare. Someone gets both of it very quickly early. Yeah. And I do explain that to my students too, is that I say like, you're either one or the other at the start. And it's actually easier to teach the tech than it is to teach the creativity. Oh yes. So I'm like, if you're, if you're producing interesting pictures for me, but they're not technically sound, I'm less worried about those students. 
Because yeah. I'm like, you're going to, at one point, it's just going to make sense to you. It's one day, it's literally, and like with the pun and everything, it's just going to click. Right. So. And it does. Yeah. And it did for me. Like I, I did have to work pretty hard, but like I had to work pretty hard to teach myself lighting, um, like studio lighting, um, kind of working with my flash, that kind of stuff. Like I had to, I had to do a lot of like, uh, like self-directed learning after college, figuring out how to do that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I think really, like, really, like, it was sports. Shooting sports assignments really felt comfortable to me. That fired you up? Yes. When, okay, so school ends, what's your game plan? Newspapers? I got a freelance uh, contract before I got out of school. Okay. So I had done my, I think I was, yeah, I had done, so we had to do a mandatory practicum and I had gone to a local newspaper and I had gone to, I went to Australia as well and worked and worked at a newspaper there for a month. And that's big. How, I mean, was that, was that the first time for you off the continent? Uh, no. Okay. Cause to go no. all the way to Australia, um, that's big. Yeah. The story behind that's kind of stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to be to take you weren't catfished into like what Australia? Oh, oh yeah, no, there was no meant... such real. There's a really, you know, there was chat rooms then, so maybe I could. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there was there was Facebook at the time, um, but no, I it was so stupid how I ended up in Australia, but great at the same time. I had like, so when I was when I was reaching out for my practicum, I had spoke to somebody that worked at a daily here and that my editor, my, my soon to be my future editor, I had spoke to him and then I thought I had a practicum, but then he kind of was like, Oh, I still have to clear it with my publisher and ask my publisher. Cause they had never had a practicum student. They'd only been around for about a year. Okay. So they were a newer daily publication. This is when, I don't know if you remember the time when they'd have like all those free newspapers all over the place. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So this was kind of like at the peak of this happening. And so I had reached out to them and, but then he was like, I started to panic. Cause he said, I have to talk to my publisher and I didn't know how long that was going to be. So I reached out to a fashion photographer in London who a friend of mine had done her practicum with the year before. Okay. And then I messaged a newspaper in Perth. And the reason I chose Perth is because I was like, I really want to go to Australia. Like, I'd really one day love to, like, work in Australia, be in Australia. You know, that's every, probably every 20-something-year-old's dream. Like, let's be honest, especially in Canada. That's the dream. Um. But I chose Perth because this is such a stupid reason. <laughs> My aunt had a friend who lived there and I had met her one time uh-huh. and in my brain, I'm like, I could just stay with them. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know what my brain and I met them one time at a wedding. Like, It's so stupid. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. 
but I asked them and they said, yeah, you can, you can stay with us. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, they were sweet. Oh, honestly, like I miss them a lot. They were living with them for a month was like the best. I, I've never been taken in like a family member so quickly by people. It was just, it was, it was honestly was an amazing experience, but I had woken up the next day from sending out these emails and I had three yeses. All three of them had said, yes, we'll take you for your practicum. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, now I have some decisions to make. So I called my mom. Um, I should preface sometimes this saying I have two moms. Okay. So sometimes I'm talking about, sometimes I'm talking about the one who raised me and then the, my birth mom. So I was talking to my birth mom and, uh, about it and she said well don't let money be something that's going to hold you back like if you want to go to australia this can be your i'll pay for your flight as your grad trip or your grad your grad gift from from college because they had been pushing she'd been pushing me a little bit to to go to college for a while so the fact that i was just on the verge of graduating was a was a thing (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay. And then I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I want to do two weeks here in Calgary to build my network and um, understand the news the news uh, environment here. But I want to like do the dream practicum and go to Australia. So I went to Australia for four weeks and I did two weeks here. But so when I graduated, when I got back from Australia, I kept in touch with my editor here and he was on vacation, so he said, um, the reporter, the the person in charge, their acting editor for the time that he's away, she has your number. So if anything happens or they need some extra help, maybe they might give you a call. It's okay, that's great. But I happened to run into like, um, I was sitting at my birth mom's house waiting for my new laptop to arrive <laughs> at her house. And I was, this is before school, before class. And uh, I hear this, like, super loud bang outside. So I look outside, and a a city bus had hit, like, a delivery truck, and then they had skidded all the way across somebody's yard and hit the house. So I grab my camera out of my bag, run across the street, start taking pictures. And I don't have this picture up on my website anymore because – you know, you got to cycle out old sure. stuff, but the picture, I still love this picture. And I think this picture is still amazing. I'm there. Nobody's gotten off the bus yet. Nobody's really hurt or anything like that. But like the, the driver standing up, I'm standing on the porch of this house. The driver is standing up on the, like calling for help. There's a woman standing, holding a, the bar, like, um, just standing, like holding the the railing kind of thing. And she's looking at me like she's waiting for her stop. <laughs> it is such a weird picture, but I love it. Like, it's such a great picture. Still, I still think this is a great picture. And so I write up the story, write up the story, send the picture in, send it all in. And then my editor um, calls me from his vacation and says, uh, like he was just impressed that I found it on my own, did it on my own. And I'm still in school at this time. So he said, okay, why don't you come in, write it up, 
submit it. And I did all that from class. I just ignored class and was doing it in the classroom. Um, and then come by and sign your freelance contract. So then I started like freelancing for this paper before I even completed school. So it wasn't like I didn't graduate and was like floundering. There was also like, I, I kind of had two career paths set out once I graduated before I graduated I had a magazine in town. It was an indigenous magazine do like an interview with me. And then they put me on the cover of this magazine for like having a cool job or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and that got me a lot of work in like the corporate indigenous world right out of, right out of school. Now, is that a big thing? Well, let's preference. So people know you, you are indigenous, but, because in Canada, I learned this, uh, there's three different sects or groups of yep. indigenous. So which yep. one do you fall under? Is um, it First Nation? Yes. Okay. Right yep. off the bat. Boom. Okay. Yep. So is corporate indigenous, is that a big thing? Yes. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. Um, because a lot of big companies too deal a lot like they have indigenous relations in in their companies cuz you're dealing with our like you're dealing with our land basically okay so we're in oil so that's like a natural resource obviously i don't know if you need a science lesson here no, i got it <laughs> but you're dealing in a lot of um you're you're dealing with a lot of land and uh indigenous land so there's a lot of like there's a lot of uh, policy and procedure that goes into a lot of these things, but there's, there's a lot of events that kind of tailor around this as well. So um, yeah, there's a decent amount, I would say. So what's the difference for like, I was just in Arizona and they Mm -hmm. have Indian land. They refer to it as reservations. Yes. What do you guys refer to your land as, or is there a, Canadian government reference to it other than do they just call it indigenous land? Oh, like we have reservations, but we just prefer to call them nations. Okay. Nations or community. Um, that's just kind of more, more appropriate. Sure. <laughs> right. Because not all. I'm not of- the authority on that though. Like definitely I'm not the authority of that. Just in where I'm living right now, it's just, like in the area that I live in, I know that the preference is to call it nations. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because yeah, it's still it derogatory towards the reservations being put on the reservation. Yeah. Yeah. So nation, I just, I, I personally just say nation. Right. Yeah. Were, was that a big part growing up for you? Like in the household? No. Um, so my birth dad is where, um, that's where like my heritage comes from. So my birth mom, I lived with my birth mom's parents. So my grandparents, but on her side and they're like English. (laughs) Okay. So no, there was like none of that, none of that culture in my household growing up. So I didn't grow, I didn't grow up on my home community, in my home community, like on my home nation. Was that, how, how did that come about? Uh, what, what came about? Not, not growing up on that, in that community. 
That's just- I think it would. I think I would have had a very, very different life. Like a, I'd be a very different person, and I would have a very, very different life. Yeah, I gotta imagine that. Yeah, it. Um, I also my my birth parents are also very were very young when they had me. Okay. So if I had grown up with my dad's family, it would have it, there would have been a lot of really beautiful parts of it. Like it really is like the community does raise the children. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I've seen it all through my family. Um, you know, some of my aunts, like one of my aunts raised one of my brothers. Like it's it's, and then um, like it's it's very. It's very unique in that. Well, I don't know if it's unique, but it's very, uh, it's different. It's very different. Right. But I think I would have had a very, I would be a very different person than I am today. I think if I, if I had grown up like on my home nation, um, how how far was your home nation from where you grew up? Oh, not far. Um, uh, 40 minute drive. Okay. So not that far. No, so like I lived north of town, so Bonneville is the town. I lived about twenty minutes north in a community called Lacory, and I went to a school in a small community called Iron River, which is only like four miles apart or six miles apart. They're not far. Okay. Um, and then my home nation is called Kihuen Cree Nation, and it's it's about twenty minutes south of town. Okay. I, I say town like I'm still there. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just talking about going to town and like, like you all know what I'm talking about. Sure. Oh, of course. Town, town school. Uh-huh. <laughs> I sound so hillbilly. <laughs> um, I, I am fascinated with it because, um, for what it's funny when they refer to first nation or the way they talk about it in Canada seems mm-hmm. much more like respectful and like they got their ducks lined up in order in Canada where here it still seems like an absolute cluster of how the Indians operate, how the federal government operates with the Indians, the reservations, like everything. It just seems like still they can't figure it out here. Like I was like, we'll go, there's a place just outside of Vegas and it, or, well, just, it's not even that far for us, like right off the 10. And so it's like literally our way. It's not that far from Palm Springs. If people understand that reference and like, it's still like Shantyville, like, and it, of course there are all these homes that live behind a cliche casino. Right. There's the mm-hmm. multi-million dollar casino. And then there's all these people that live behind it in a hill in like huts. And you're like, mm-hmm. really? Like th- th- this is still happening. It's yeah, we definitely, I don't want to get too much into sure. it politically for. Cause yours um, is different than ours. But we have a ton of work to do. Like a ton. There is. There are so many communities that do not have drink like drinkable water. Yeah. Oh, that's what I, when I was going down that rabbit hole last night or study, I was just like, "What? This is 2022. We got a man on the moon. We're trying to get to Mars. This and that, and like, there's still people living like it's 1400." Yeah. How's that possible? It's disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, it's you know some some nations 
have more money than others. And some, like, you have to think about the nations too, that are so far North that like you, you buy to get milk, like a four liter. Hmm, I don't know how that translates to you. Right. <laughs> a ju- let's go with a jug, a jug of milk. <laughs> it's like $12. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at, I was looking at it on the map and I'm like, what do these people do? Like, what, what was it? Um, Great Slave Lake, and there's some up there, and it's like, I mean, you're way out in the middle of nowhere. I've been very lucky that I've actually gone up north and worked in some of these communities. Oh, yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. It's a totally different way of life for sure. Uh, it's it's interesting, and it's. I mean, I know we jumped ahead. Oh, and, we jumped way ahead. But but <laughs> but in your is it's just fascinating because it's still like you're a journalist with the background. Would this be something where, you know, we had talked about one or a day or two ago when we talked to like the pre-interview, like you have students that want to be war photographers. Is this something like you would want to dive into and do portraits on the reservation or on the first nation and, or like do day in the lives of because I don't think a lot of people still to this day whether they're in Canada or in the US or hell even on this continent like still understand like how it is living in these There's places. some there are some amazing photographers who are doing that kind of work right now. Um is there anything you would want to touch? You personally? Yes and no. Um there's a lot of work that you need to do cuz it's a different it is a different culture. Uh-huh. So it falls under a lot of different rules. So like like getting access is a lot more difficult than you think it is. Right, you're not just going to drive up. No, definitely not. You definitely don't do that. Um there's there's a lot lot that you have to go through to kind of get to build the trust and build the relationships. It's really about there's a lot of relationship building that needs to be done. Um to be able to tell the stories, but at the same time, there are so, um, so many amazing stories, so many great stories. And you don't want to, you don't want to constantly just be shedding a light on this Nate, like some of this negative stuff. There's so much beauty and um, positivity and like, there's so, there's so much to it. There's so many layers to it. So like you really have to immerse yourself into it. And that's just not something I've been, I've, I've not had the luxury to do. Right. It would almost be like you would have to like just go for months. There's no way you pop in for a weekend. No, you have to be pretty tied to that community or people in the community. Like you have to, you have to really invest a lot of time. And it's, and I'm not saying I don't want to invest the time or it's just like, I'm, I'm far from my I'm from, I'm far from my community. Like I'm in a, I'm in, so I'm from, it's called treaty. I'm from treaty six. I'm currently living in treaty seven and it's a different, it's, it's different people here. So there's more Blackfoot people here and I'm Cree. Um, so there's, there's little nuances in there as well. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not like people just think it there. Everybody's in the same group. Not at all. No, 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 no. And I laugh. I laugh sometimes when I see, <laughs> when I see some, some 
good effort, but some big missteps from some organizations assuming that we are all the same people. <laughs> right, yeah. Using, you know, symbolism and artwork from one from one group and assuming that that umbrella is all of us. Yeah. That definitely is not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so it's 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 a lot, but like the work that I do here, like I'm so involved and so invested in the work that I'm doing that I actually don't have as much time to to dive into that kind of work because I still actually need to make money. Right. Like, yeah. I mean it's a big thing. Yeah, you would have to give up so much to like dive into that and be, you know, immersed in it that it would just seem so you would literally have to have a major grant or something to support you during that time of of uh, creating all that imagery. Exactly. And like there's for me personally too, it plays to two sides of my mental health. Um, I struggle with watching and seeing the racism to all of it because that hits me directly. Sure. So I have a hard time with that, with my own personal mental health. But then on the positive side, like when I, when I'm documenting like the positive parts of it and creating portraits, creating portraits of things that I find just so beautiful and amazing about the culture. Um, it, it really like lifts up my mental health. So it's, it can be pretty polarizing for me at times. And I, like, I have to kind of just get into it when I'm in the right state of mind. Yeah. It would, I, I thought about it. Would, would it be easier for me to do it without a, you know, quote unquote, a dog in the fight? Like I, you know, but then, would I be missing things because I just don't have a complete clue of all the little details and inquisies like of what's happening? I think you'd be missing things. Yeah. Yeah. But then for you, it's just like it could just be absolute pain. And then trying to recover that with the joy. Yes. So it's for me, it's a battle. Like it's a bit of a battle. And like, again, I have the the ability to hide behind the fact that I don't have a lot of time in that I am so immersed in like the sports world here that I don't have a ton of time to really like to dig into it. Like I, I can build relationships. I can build relationships, but also to like the elections in nations. Like sometimes people are coming out every three years. So you might've built relationships with chief and council but then things are completely different three years later. So all your relationships are kind of gone. You kind of have to restart a lot of the time. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not like regular, like it is regular politics, but not like regular politics. The turnover is higher. You're seeing a lot more turnover and on a, like a little bit of a quicker cycle. Now you mentioned the racism. Like when you refer to that, is it like still like openly blatant racism or is it even the worst where it's just small uh, like, yep. side smearing yep because yep. <laughs> I, I had this conversation with my one of my boys the other day like i would rather sit down with a full-on like for us like clansman like full-on klu klux clansman who was a just blatant screaming racist because at least i knew 
what you know that guy's a moron in his decisions than somebody mm-hmm. who's like sitting there going oh no i love everybody and then they go home and then they just you know kick everything down the street and, and there's a complete ass like i want to know where you stand so i think yeah. the, the 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 snide remarks and all the little stuff is like just brutal i had a really upsetting one about a year ago that that like, I'm not going to get into it too much, but it was like, it was shocking what came out of this person's mouth and who this person was that I was just blatantly shocked that like, it, it just kind of like takes like the air out of you when it, when it hits like that. And you're like, are, are you kidding? Like, like you're doing all this personal work and this person's around you in a decent amount. Mm-hmm. And then for it to come out of their mouth, you're kind of like, what? Like, seriously? <laughs> like, that's what you think? Like, I just, I couldn't even like, and it caused a huge, huge fight. Like, and that was, that was just like devastating to me. And, um, I just like, it's, it's just shocking still. Like, I don't know. There's some, there's just some things that people say and I just like, I I just, I just can't, but it, it, it's, it's hit a point too, that it's like, it's, it's not one of those things that you're just like, Oh, they're just an idiot. No, like it hurts you to the core and like the way it affects the way it affects me is like, I just still shut down now at this point. Really? Mm hmm. That's just the reflex. Oh yeah, I'll just completely shut down. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. So I like how ideal is how ideal. It's not the right or a wrong way. Right. But um Well, I mean you can always haul off and just punch somebody in the face. Is violence really the answer? No. <laughs> no, I, I didn't It's I really just, not. Yeah. <laughs> There's just it's but the thing is it's not it shouldn't be my burden to carry. No. It's not me. Right. It's not me who has to learn and then and then, like, we've had this, like, uh, with all the residential school discoveries recently that have been in the news, like, mm-hmm. residential school things and the news about that is not new to us Indigenous people. That trauma has been there for a very, very long time. Like, within our families, um, like, it's still at a point where we all know somebody who's been in one. It's not like it, it's been, it's in all of our families basically. And it's affected upbringings and how people are. And it's, it's, it's like, it's a very traumatic, horrible thing. And when these discoveries were coming out, the amount of non-Indigenous people reaching out to us directly, even just to say, I'm thinking about you is almost like, why are you ruining my good day to bring this up for something that I've been aware of for years? I'm like, you need to take the time to educate yourself and not bring it to me and not bring your guilt to me or to try and get me to educate you on this issue. Yeah, Do yeah. not make this about me. Yeah. And, and you know, so often it's like um, when someone passes away, like you, it's so hard for people what to say. So then people sometimes just say the stupidest things. Oh, 
A hundred percent. Um, and, and it's just like, but it just, it was so much and like to, this is such a heavy topic, but to like lighten the mood (laughs) a little bit, I was, I went on a first date and I had been talking to this person for a while and it was, it was national indigenous people's day. And so I was excited about like posting. I love posting about my culture and sharing my culture with people and, and showing the beauty and the, and the joy um, in that it brings. And so I was working on this post and was posting some pictures on it. So it was a little bit late, <laughs> but only like three to five minutes late. Nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy. So I walk up and I said, oh, I apologize for being late. This is what I was doing. First thing out of his mouth was, oh, isn't it just terrible about these residential schools? And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding? That's what you want to open our first day conversation on? I'm talking about National Indigenous Peoples Day, and it's a celebration. And that's where you take this and you you want to... You want to talk to your to probably one of the only indigenous people that you know, and bring that bring that up to me right now. Like, uh, <laughs> thanks. Let's just say there was one date only. Well, there was. I'm surprised it it continued. Well, I'm not a jerk <laughs> like him. No. <laughs> <laughs> But just it's it's that it's that lack of awareness. Oh yeah, God, people don't have it. Uh, it was it was it was last year was a very brutal year when it when it came to a lot of that stuff because it was just like it's stuff that it's stuff that's been around for us for a very long time. But then, like having to feel like we need to educate people now on it. I'm like, no, you need to educate you on it. Mm-hmm. You need to do your own and let us do our healing. We're in a healing place. You don't come to people who are healing to ask to teach you now. Well, let's let's jump back. How was the first several years of your quote unquote professional career? Um was it easy? Was it a struggle? Did you feel like you were ready? I felt ready, but I actually think I wasn't ready. But I was lucky. So I'm like, I'm a very hard worker and I have a like I've, I have a very good work ethic and I'm I'm very personable. So I had that on my side. So that helped open a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. But but like when we were talking before, my technical skill wasn't great. Okay. Um and my news sense, I had fairly good news sense, but like it wasn't the best. It's like understanding different publications and kind of what their values are and understanding what they would run and what they wouldn't run. Um, like those kind of things. So my first couple of years, like I just freelanced for a while for dailies and I still bartended for a while. And then um, my editor, the one that I talked about from my practicum, he gave me an opportunity to go work in Edmonton. That's good. Yeah, he said there's a full-time position that's opening up in Edmonton 
would you be interested? And I said, yes, yes, I'll move to Edmonton. Like I'm from Northern Alberta anyway. So like Calgary people always are like, Oh, gross Edmonton. Edmonton's the worst, but (laughs) I'm from like, I'm from Northern Alberta and my closest city as a child to me was Edmonton. So like I had a lot of, like I knew a lot of people who lived in Edmonton. So to me to move there from Calgary wasn't a big deal. Right. Sure. Yeah. So I moved, I moved up there um, and started working full-time freelance for this, for this publication. And I loved it. Like I had so much fun and I loved daily news. Like anyone who's worked in it knows that like no day is the same. No two days are the same. No, no. So like you never know, you never know what's going to happen in your day. And like, it can go totally, totally one way, totally another day. Like, it's just, it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, pays like garbage. We all know that. (laughs) (laughs) But pays terrible, but like the fun experiences that you have and all the people that you get to meet, like you get to meet, really interesting people, really great people, some really horrible people too. Um, but it is very like fulfilling in that sense, not in the pocket in like, not in the pocket wallet sense. It's not very fulfilling, but that part is. So did you feel like that, that helped you though, that improvement, like being out there alone, just banging away helped you? Yeah, and I wasn't necessarily, like, alone either because you're working with other media as well, right? Hold on a sec. <coughs> so you're working with – you're working alongside other members of the media. And in, like, a small market like Edmonton, you're going to get to know everybody fairly quick. Sure. Because you don't have a ton of publications and a ton of, like – and it's not, like, large newsrooms – in each one. So you're, you're starting to get to know who the different people are at each uh, news outlet and you're getting to know the comms people and you're getting to know this and that. So there's a lot of things that'll like other photographers, you kind of learn from them as well. You're watching and seeing what they're doing, how they set things up, how they work a different scene, how they move their angle, like what they're doing, what lens choices they're using. So you're like learning on, on the job. Was there so, good banter in the photo community? Oh yeah. Edmonton was pretty good. Okay. Um, I find Calgary, I don't know. Like I came in, I came back to Calgary at a weird time. So it's kind of weird. How? Oh, uh, like the newsrooms were just started laying people off like crazy about the time I came back. Oh, uh, okay. So our newsrooms went from like one of the publications having like 10, let's say between, I don't know, between the, the two papers at the time, there was maybe 17 when I got back. And I think between the two now, there's like five. Was that the Sun and the Herald, right? And that was. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good research. Yeah. And there um, was another one, Metro something, right? That's where I worked. Okay. Yeah. I worked at Metro. Um, so, yeah, no, there was like, there was decent like camaraderie like amongst amongst uh like the the news community in edmonton so like i wasn't left completely hanging all the time um okay yeah there were some events that i'd be alone and and or like stuff that i self-generated um so i'd be out on on my own and it would be fine um 
but I got, I got laid off. So I got laid off like probably, I think it was maybe like eight months after I started, after I'd moved there. Okay. Uh, so what had happened is that they decided to go with Canadian press. So like basically your associated press, mm-hmm. which seemingly is a very smart move, but at the same time, not really, because you have to assume like the paper that we were, I was working for was a little more like small, cute stories and big news. So like Canadian press wouldn't be covering a lot of these like little offshoot stories. So it worked for them for a little bit, but then not long. That didn't that didn't sustain like it didn't last very long, but we myself and the Calgary photographer both got laid off. So when that happened, um, because I had built some relationships at the Edmonton Sun, okay. I had reached out to them for any potential like freelance opportunities, and I got really lucky in that um one one of the photographers, his name was Perry Ma. Um, he he vouched for me to the editor, who's Tom Braid, at the time, and Tom was very very well known. And I personally genuinely loved Tom as a photo editor, so he gave me an opportunity when the the twenty ten torch run was coming through Canada because the Olympics were in Vancouver. So we had the torch run running through the country and uh, they needed a lot of photographers on that day to cover it when it was coming through Edmonton. So he gave me a shot that day and then he's like, yeah, like I like the way you work. You understand like, you know, getting things in quickly and like I showed up on all the places, everything like that. And it was cold as hell. So I didn't complain about anything being outside. Um, So he's like, yeah, like I'll, if there's more opportunities like for, freelance stuff like I'll pass it on so I'm like okay I'm gonna stay in Edmonton I'm not gonna move back at this point I had a partner in Calgary so I was seeing uh I was seeing my partner at the time but I was and my plan was to come back because I didn't have a job anymore okay and all my and all my family was in Calgary and I still technically actually still had a place here so and I oh okay there's a long part of this too when I found out I was going to get laid off, I went, I decided to enroll at ACAD, the original school for, for, and take their photography program. All right. So I was working at Edmonton and going to school full time in Calgary. So I was driving back and forth. <laughs> like I would go to, I would work Sunday to Thursday and then I would, sometimes take Thursday off and come to photography class on Thursdays, but it was a beginner's one. So I could miss a bunch of it. Cause I was beyond, I was working as a photographer. So I got a bit of credit there, but then I would have class all day, Friday, all day, Saturday, and then shoot back for a full week of work and do my homework during the week. So that's what I was doing. Jeez, <laughs> I know. So my, intention when I got laid off at Christmas was to just move back to Calgary and continue going to school. But when the sun gave me the opportunity, the sun gave me the, op- I told you I was a hard worker. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I have a good work ethic. Um, when they gave me the opportunity, I decided it made more sense to just drop out of school and stay in Edmonton and try, cause that's what I wanted to be doing. I wanted a job, a full-time job at a daily newspaper. 
So I, I decided, I'm like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm just going to stay in Edmonton. So I, I stayed in Edmonton. Um, not long after, not long after I was freelancing, they actually offered me a reporting job. Okay. So I, to cover like a maternity leave. So they offered me a year contract as a reporter. Uh-huh. So I took it. Uh, and I loved the people I worked with, but I legitimately hated the job. Uh, okay. It was, I like, I, yeah. Um, when you have to work the night shift, when you're working the like three to 1130, all the stuff has been assigned for the day and out. And at that point you're really just kind of like, and they've kind of, made decisions on where things are going to go in the paper. So you're basically just on death watch at that point. So you're just sitting, I'm sitting in this cubicle in a corner, listening to a scanner all night and just, you don't leave until somebody dies. Jesus. So I'm like, and I had to do that one week out of every month. I'd be on that shift. So I hated it. Like I hated it. So that didn't, I, I just, I couldn't like mentally, I just couldn't be in that place that I'm like, because then if somebody does die, then you're like, then you're on like investigation duty and trying to figure out everything about this person. Oh, find out, find out, find out. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to be first and like, it's, it's just not, it's just not a life that I wanted. Like I did not want to be calling victims of or like victims families who are just devastated and then being like I work for a newspaper I'm gonna do I'm doing a story on this like it's I see like you're actually realistically you're like writing a tribute you're writing you're writing the good things about Mm -hmm. people you're not actually writing anything bad but I see how like you're you're talking to people and they're most vulnerable and like the worst day of their life. And I just like, it just like, I'm an empath. So that, that just does not fly with me. Like I, I absorb all of that. So I'm like, I can't do this. Like I can't do this as a job. I can't sit here and, and, and like wait for people to die so I can write about it. Like, that's just not, this is not where I want my life to go. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to quit. Um, and I think it was like the day I left, the day I left, um, one of their photographers had quit as well. And that opened up like a, a position as a full-time photographer there. But I was already packed up. Like my brain was already made up. Like I had taken the time to make my decision. And I'm like, I'm going to come back to Calgary I'm going to move in with my partner and I'm going to open a business. Like I'm going to start my own photography business. And I'm, I've got enough contacts here in news still that I can still like work in the news industry, but in a photography capacity. So, but I'd already made that decision, had the conversations with my partner at the time. And that's how I was moving forward. So I didn't apply for the job or consider the job that came open. And I, I wondered about that for a few years, but I, I do know that I did make the right decision to not pursue that Avenue. 
Okay. So that was like my first my first couple of years in into my career. Where I mean at at any point were you worried like this is just not what I want to do? I'm maybe didn't make the right choice. No. Okay. You were nope. o- you were okay with where you were at or at least where you were heading. Yeah, I'm a pretty like like I don't I say no to things I don't want to do and I do the things I want to do. Okay. I want to eat a dozen cupcakes for dinner. I'm going to eat a dozen cupcakes for dinner. <laughs> That's going to happen. I'm going to eat an entire pie. That's going to happen. Oh lord. Like I want to go like this year I wanted to go see LeBron play. Um, so I went to Milwaukee and went to the Lakers Bucks game. He did not play, but I went. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not somebody who's gonna like regret certain decisions and like abandon what I'm doing. Well, it's, uh, a, it's a shame you spent all that money to go see a guy who didn't play. LeBron, you owe me big time. Um, yeah, no, I still, I still will make that, I still will make that one happen. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to make that one. Some things are beyond my control, (laughs) obviously. Yeah, you can't, you can't win them all. It's not for a lack of effort though, is kind of the point. It's like, I'm, I'm saying like, I want to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to do that thing. So like, I've never gotten so defeated in what I'm doing that I want to hang it up. Like. I've had moments in the last year where I've where I've been extremely beaten down and defeated at one specific thing, but not as the larger goal. Right. Yeah. So no. Um, even starting my business, I'm like, I knew it was the right decision. I knew it was the right decision, and uh, like the path was difficult, but like, just I was going along a I was going along a path to get a grant. Okay from the government. So that, that path, that path was a little exhausting, but it worked out. So when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to open up this business. Are you thinking, okay, I'm going to look for clients X, Y, and Z, or am I going to look for any client, any client? Because I was still in that phase of my career. Okay. So like at the beginning, you're you kind of like food. You would have shot a wedding. You would have shot a bar mitzvah. You would have shot like anything. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I was shooting boudoir um, weddings. So we used to have this thing um, at the Sun. It was, it's called Sunshine Girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to just let your imagination roll with that one? I'm, I'm, is it look like cover two or page two in in uh? Was it the London Mirror or Mirror or Daily London, whatever? I don't even know. But basically it's a picture of a half a topless woman. She has a top ish on. <laughs> <laughs> Usually a bathing suit. Okay. Something like that. I used to photograph a lot of those. There's there's is it PG? Like it there like, Oh yeah. Like okay. yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, there's not a nipple. She's not pulling no, a Janet no. Jackson. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, no. I think there's one like in London like that where it's like topless. Yeah, no, definitely wasn't topless. Okay. Um, like I know you've heard about our how our certain certain clubs in 
in Canada can differ from American clubs. But <laughs> oh, that's another podcast we'll have to uh, yeah. go down there, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely not an expert in that area. Um, but so I used to photograph a lot of that, and I enjoyed it because it's still like it's still portrait photography. It is. Yeah, it's just glamour. It's more right. like glamour style. But I got it gave me a lot more experience in the studio. Sure. Like, I really got a lot more time to work in the studio. And, and the subject learn. is a subject. Oh, yeah. It hey, doesn't matter if, you know, honestly, a nine-year-old kid or a 90-year-old person or someone in a bikini or someone in a suit. So yeah, exactly. You still got to make them feel comfortable and get something out of them. There's nothing wrong with, like, being there and trying to, like, helping these women feel beautiful. Sure. It was fun. I And, like, some of the women that came in, like, oh, I had, like, Olympians. Um, I had, like, the really athletic cheerleaders. Okay. Like, the ones that would do, like, the flips and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, our cheerleaders for our football teams are very different. But Edmonton, the Eskimos, or sorry, they're the Elks now. But at the time, they were the Eskimos. Whoa, whoa. They, um, when did that happen? They've played one or two seasons as the Elks. Well, okay, why the change? I, I'm almost no... It's a derogatory term. Okay. That's what That's... I figured, but I wasn't sure. So it's relatively the same as why Washington like right. changed theirs. Yeah, okay. Just checking. Yeah. So, like, and, like, their, but their cheer, their cheer team is, like, have it, oh, they're amazing. They're so great. Like, because we, we don't have the same, we don't have the same caliber cheerleaders that, that you do in the States. Okay. It's it's very very it, the cheer culture is very different, but the Edmonton team is a lot more similar to what you would have. Right. So like some of the girls, like they were on, like we'd have some of the cheerleaders in in, and it was like this is fun, like doing some of these like athletic beauty shots. It was, it was like, I enjoyed it like a ton. So when I got back and I was starting my business, it was like, I did boudoir photos. I did, um, weddings, engagements, babies, couples, families, sports, concerts, news, like just about anything that involved people. Good. Just yeah. anything you can. Yep. Cast a wide net. Right. Yeah. And then that gave me, and eventually over time, then I was able to specialize. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, you're literally starting out. You got to take everything you can. Oh, yeah. Like, and I did. At, like, when I came back to Calgary, it was a little bit rough. Like, business was pretty slow in the first four months. Um, I definitely gained a lot of weight in that time. <laughs> um, it's hard, like, mentally, too, because, like, you walked away. Like, I walked away from, like kind of what I thought was my dream job at the time. Yeah. And then came back here and then it was like, I'm kind of starting over again, but like I'm starting on my own path now. So like, I know the decision wasn't wrong, but it was still kind of like, all right, it is harder to, it's harder to kind of like digest at times. And like the process of getting the, the capital funding, the grants and all that stuff was difficult and let's just say, at those times, I did want to eat 12 cupcakes for dinner. No, no, no. So there was, like, there was, like, that 
that part like I was wearing my mental health I could say oh man that's not good um when did you when did you start to feel in your career comfortable like okay I got my act together the answer is never there's always a next step well okay but when have you started to go out and you're like I could take a picture I'm not gonna crap the bed never (laughs) (laughs) come on that's not true we've worked together I know you can bring the hammer um I mean there's always trying to feel honestly I feel that now I do feel it now yeah because there's always like you always want to go out and try to prove yourself and make better photos but there's also like I've got my 10,000 hours in I know what I'm doing and nothing's gonna like completely overwhelm me when I go to an event yeah like I do feel it now for sure but I do always think I could do better I always think oh, yeah. that I could have done something better in everything that I've done. Um, but I'm confident, like I'm confident now walking into any, like I'm confident in the fact that I know I have a battery in my camera. I know I have at least one memory card in there. <laughs> I know that I brought my camera. Has, I'm just saying, has this been an issue? Well, actually, recently I did one dumb thing, and then I forgot the trigger to my light. Oh, so I for, I forgot the like air the air remote uh-huh. thing to my to right. my pro photo Your pro photo, and... and this person only had an hour available, and because I am so good at 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 uh, problem at, solving, uh, building relationships, <laughs> oh. we'll say oh. this woman's assistant, like her aide, came to my house. Found it, dug through my stuff, found it, and then brought it back to us. Good God. I gave her the key to my house, and she came and got it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very charming at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, tell me about this project. I saw you made, or there was beautiful portraits made and put outside buildings and it's gotten you radio interviews and magazines. Talk to me about this frozen lake project. How did that come about? It's actually a very interesting story. Well, I'm going to sit down and I want to hear. So it started like just scrolling on Instagram as things do happen that way. And I had seen a picture of um i think it was at lake louise and it was just like a skater on this beautiful glassy ice and i think it might have been a hockey player i don't really remember the picture too much to reference it okay but i kind of seen it like at a hockey game so when i'm like i work for the hitman which is our our junior like a junior our junior team um which would feed into the NHL draft. I don't know how familiar you are with like our Canadian hockey league. Oh, so I know it all. Okay. So it's like 16 to 20 year olds. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, there's one kid on our team. His name is, his name is Orca Weisblatt. I like to give him a lot of credit for this. Um, so Orca, um, usually is one of the first players to come out to the tunnel towards the tunnel from the dressing room to the tunnel. And he's a really, was a really chatty kid. Um, 
not someone who was like hyper focused. So he usually would start convert. I never, I have, a, I have a very strict policy in that I never talk to any of the athletes on a game day unless they speak to me. Okay. Because I don't, I don't want to mess somebody's routine and I don't want to inject myself into their day. It's I'm, I'm strictly documenting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try not to ever inject myself into, into their day or distract anyone or um, like, I'm very, very like, I, I'm very firm on this. So a lot of a lot of athletes used to think I was very stuck up, but that was never the case. Right. <laughs> it was it's just, just giving I them their, their space. Exactly. Yeah. But if there's somebody like I'm also not gonna not talk to them if they talk to me. But I do keep it very brief and I'm mindful of when other people are coming up, other athletes who are more focused. Mm-hmm. I try not to be I try not to be um in that space. So I keep I, I do keep my answers very brief. So anyways, Orca had come out and uh, so he started, he was, he, I I knew he was a kid that I could always talk to in those, have those very quick, brief conversations with before more of the players came out. Okay. And I'd seen this picture and he's a local kid. So like he's born or he lives in Calgary during the full year. So he's not one of our, like one of our kids that comes in from another city or another town or anything or another province. Sure. Um, so I said to him and I just kind of like flashed the picture to him and I said, we should try and go shoot this one day. And he said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Like, that'd be cool. I'd love that. And that was it. That was, that was, that was the whole conversation. Nothing else beyond that. Does it? So like, I didn't know anything about, um, like the ice conditions. I'm not a really outdoorsy person. So like, I don't hike. I don't go explore the lakes. I don't skate out on those lakes, like nothing like that. So like my knowledge is, Hey, there's a nice picture. I like said picture. Me, me go do that. Me can do that. So that, that was the extent of it, but that was probably at the, I don't know, that might've been like 2019 sometime, or I think, I feel like it was like, like the beginning of the year, 2019. Okay. But we've we kind of talked about it a little bit, and then 2020, when everything was locked down, and in in November, we had like actual lockdowns of things here. Couldn't go to the gym. All training facilities were closed. The WHL season wasn't running. Um, you know, like we didn't have a CFL season. Um, the Flames had. They were delayed start. That's right. They were cut. They had just come off like their bubble season in, in their select cities and in Edmonton. That's right. They, they like had the Stanley cup, I think in Edmonton. Was that right? I, I don't even remember. It's all a blur. Now. I know it's just a mess. I have no clue anymore. <sighs> yeah. So I, like I hadn't shot any like game action sports since March when things had shut down. So since we weren't in season I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try I'm going to try this project. So I'd gone out a few times, scouted a few lakes, checked out conditions, things like that and like kind of was on top like trying to be on top of it. Um, I'm going to skip past a lot of the safety kind of uh-huh. stuff too, but it, like I'm going to put a disclaimer that this is not the safest like average not average people, but I'm just like people need to do a lot of research before they go and just jump on these lakes be super clear about that oh, absolutely i mean it, there's it, a lot of danger involved in it 
Yeah, and I'll never have that problem, being that we have nothing frozen up here. You do in California, just uh, probably not in your area. Not in my area. <laughs> so, anyways, I I decided, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go do this. Because, again, I'm the type of person that says I'm going to do it, I'm going to go do it. Um, so I, I call up one of my girlfriends. Um, she's actually like my athletic, uh, therapist. Um, she does, she works on a lot of like our stampeders or our CFL team. She works on a lot of those guys and a lot of the athletes in the city, but she's also mine. And I was like, she's a ringette player. So I was like, bring it, pack up your gear. Let's go out. Let's try and see. Let's, let's do a test run of this. And then I text Orca and I said, I'm going out to do this shot and I would like to try and and check out this place out near Banff. And the first one was called Johnson Lake. And um, he's like, actually, I'm going out to Banff with my brother. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, bring your stuff. He's like, okay. So he, he ends up meeting us out there. The conditions were not good. So when I got there, it was not that glassy, beautiful mirror ice I thought it was going to be. And, but I still made a picture. Like I still made pictures. Um, so like I had him out there, uh, in his Hitman Jersey, um, skating around. And then I just like did some lit portraits out there, but it, and like, I still had great pictures and I still really liked them, but it wasn't what I was after. It's what not were what you I after? Wanted. What was like the goal? The goal was like that really glassy mirrored look. Now, do you That's do That's what I wanted. Do you do anything to the lake? Like, do you, it sounds <laughs> stupid, but are you wiping it down, trying to get frost off it? Like, what are you trying to do to achieve you that? You can't do anything. Okay. Like nature does everything. So you're just and, at the mercy of what it provides you. Yeah. And like, this is where people are so delusional about what it actually looks like up here. Um, so like in my brain, I thought that things would look that way for a little while, but you get even the slightest dusting of snow and that's gone. Like that look is just gone or it could just be the, the ice can just turn cloudy. Like it just, it is you like, it could be, you could have that, you could have that really glassy look for two hours to three days. There's your window. Oh boy. Yeah. So this is not an easy thing to do. And again, I am not an expert on these lakes and conditions. Like I need to make this very, very clear. Um, I do have like a bit of experience, like being back home, like you'd skate on lakes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Just they're different too. Cause there's like different water running underneath and channel, like things that are happening. There's different structure to all the lakes and things like that here. So I'm not as familiar with our lakes in the mountains. Um, but, um, so then I was like, all right, I'm going to try this again. I had seen that Lake Louise looked good. And I have lots of time in this, like, cause again, I'm not shooting, I'm not in any season. So I have plenty of time to, to work on this, but I also have to convince people to go meet me out there and you can't ride together because it's COVID. So you oh, don't want to jump, you don't want to jump in a vehicle with someone, right? Right. God forbid. 
So so I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to convince people to like meet me out. So I'm like just putting out random calls to see who's, who's got skates, who has skates, wants to meet me outside in a mountain and can drive themselves out there. Basically, so my second model that I got was Soroya Tinker, who's a professional hockey player, women's hockey player, but she's also black. So she's like, she's, she's like, she's a big deal. Look her up. She's a big deal. Okay. She's like role model supreme. She's an artist. She played at Yale. Like she is, she's like the real deal. She's an amazing person. So she, I had actually met her boyfriend, her partner. Um, I had met her partner first through some football stuff because he had been drafted into the CFL and he was working with a bunch of people I knew. So he saw my post looking for somebody and said, you know, my girlfriend would like to, like to do this. I said, great. We get out there. It's a snowstorm, like a straight up blizzard. Oh, no. <laughs> so if you look at the picture you'll see it's kind of like really like really white and then you'll see like this girl with a red toque skating really small picture on the mountains oh. so that little tiny patch i also was not smart enough to bring a shovel and so i'm laying on my stomach waving my arms around and sweeping off snow like an idiot to like make this like tiny little patch for her to skate on and they're using their hockey sticks and they're clearing they're clearing snow and i'm like laying on the ground like a like a dummy um (laughs) like i must have looked so stupid i don't care the photo's totally i don't care how stupid i look the photo looks great right it's all that matters yeah but so now I have I have Soroya in the set. I still don't have the beautiful glassy ice that I'm looking for. I still don't have it. But I'm like, I think I have something interesting in the fact, like, this diversity piece. Now that I've added Soroya into this piece, I knew... Um, one of our, the first Indigenous women to play in the Olympics for Team Canada Hockey. So her name is Bridget Lequette. I knew her. So I reached out to her, and I said, she lives in Cal- based in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her. Like, we've had some interactions before. Um, and I was like, do you want to meet at this other lake? Do you want to go for a skate? Because I'd also seen that she'd been out skating, too. So I reached out to her, and she's like, yeah. So now, to me, I'm like, okay this project is turning into something else, something different than what I originally planned to just getting this beautiful glassy ice picture that lots of people have. It's turning into like more of a project about like representation and diversity. When, when you had COVID cl- shut everything down, all these people are looking for places to train and it kind of forced them out into these outdoor spaces. But it's not just like, how you classically think of just hockey and you're most of the time your brain is thinking like Caucasian men. That's what you're thinking. Sure. Most of the time when you're thinking about hockey. So I'm like, this can be more than that. I'm like, 
I want people to be able to see themselves represented in these environments. So that's where the project started to go. How hard was it to get it underway? Not even hard. Like, not hard at all. (laughs) Um, People were so on board. I never even had to explain it to them. I just was like, I'd like to photograph you. Or I would put out another call and say, like, I'm looking for people for this day, this place. And I would and I would kind of sift through and kind of be a little bit choosy on who I would pick, on who would be available. And I like I ended up with a lot like a fair amount of high caliber athletes from our area. Do you think like a, in Calgary? Do you think a lot of that is because people just wanted to get out? Yes, you got yeah. a cool idea, but they were like, I am cooped up and I don't have any place to just put my skates on. That's a hundred percent it. Like if I tried doing it now, there's no way. There's no way. Also, this like last year got so I don't even I didn't even know how incredibly lucky the sea the ice season was last year. Like how good the ice was for like different spots. Like it it froze in different spots differently because like you have different depths of lakes and things like that. Right, so right. they so some freeze earlier than others and things like that. So. Um, or melt faster and then flash freeze again. And then uh, like, so you got, you got different, different blocks falling at different times. Um, so like I was obsessed with like checking conditions at certain lakes and checking like all these kind of things, like obsessed with that, that year. Um, but like when I got, like when I kind of got rolling on it, like I was still just doing it for conditions but I was also like very focused on this diversity like portion of it so um like like how some people came about I almost have to like look at I almost have to look at the pictures to kind of uh like explain this to you um okay so it started with Orca Mm -hmm. whose Orca story on its own is really really interesting like he he has two deaf parents and his like, then his mom, like he's, he was raised by a single mom who's deaf and just the story, like his, their resiliency and like their, their story and how the, like all of the kids have been, there's four brothers, four boys and one daughter, the daughter's the youngest, but all like the four boys all have, had pretty successful hockey careers in that uh like his the brother younger than him is in like the San Jose shark system wow okay yeah so like he's got an interesting story on his own but it started with Orca and then it was Soroya and then it was Bridget um then the then there was Rachel who was a former team Canada heptathlete and uh but that one kind of came about in that the flames had had like the retro jerseys were just announced. And I'm like, let's shoot this out on the lake. And then I didn't get a lot of movement. And then it was more of a conversation. I'm shooting this out on the lake. Would you like to purchase this image? (laughs) (laughs) The answer was yes, we would like to purchase this image. Um, And like, you know, when I'm talking about like representation and diversity, I also just mean women in general as well, not just men mm-hmm. all the time. Sure. So 
then I had Rachel out, Rachel out on the lake and Rachel's just such a fun person to work with. And, um, then, then I was like, I saw spray lakes was looking good. So I, I called up a friend who wanted to go and said, let's meet at 6am and drive out. Like you're taking a shot too at this. Like you're just taking a chance Yeah, you, that it's going to be good. Right. And you're driving hour, like an hour, like the, like hour to an hour and a half to two hours sometimes. Like Lake Louise is a good two hours from here. Jesus. From my house. Right. From my house. Like I'm not on the very edge of the city and it's just like I'm in the city. Um, so the day that I went out with Nate, who's actually our uh, athletic therapist for the Hitman, that was the day. Like we got out there when the sun started coming up went down, um, tested the ice to make sure it was thick enough because it looked like it didn't even look frozen when we were looking at it from above when we were hiking in. Yeah, I mean, in the shot, it looks very wet. It's not. It's yeah, not. It's right. very frozen. It's very frozen. Not very frozen, but it's frozen enough to skate on it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's about three inches thick or ten. It was more than ten centimeters thick. So it was about, I think it was about three. It was over three inches. Um, and we didn't go crazy far out in that one. Like we kind of stayed relatively saving zone. <laughs> okay. Like if someone had to come rescue us, we we're, you know, we probably would have been all right. Now, um, what is your process? Are you thinking I'm just taking available light images? Am I bringing strobes? I have a strobe. Okay. And, and, Every time. And just one, two. Are you Just thinking one. I'm going to try to match the, the light source? So if the sun's, you know, harsh, it's in the shade, I'll make it, or in the shadows, I'll make it, you know, soft. What, what's your process? It's going to be a harsh light. So my stroke, like, it's going to be harsh because I can't, it's they all, I would say almost all of these lakes, windy as hell. Okay. So I cannot put them on a light stand. I cannot put a big modifier, a big soft modifier on it. Uh-huh. It is a reflector. Okay. Reflector with a grid. Like all of them. Right. Uh, And it's either I'm holding it or somebody else is holding it. Okay. Like in the example with Rachel, I just said, hey, you, come here. Can you hold this? (laughs) To some guy skating by. And then he tweeted to us later. And I was like, you, I give you so much credit for this photo. (laughs) (laughs) I love you like I. <laughs> what when you when you got the first one, did you yeah. think to yourself, my God, this is working, there could be more? Or did no. it take a little bit for you to figure out like, all right, not that didn't work, but maybe I try this and it works better? Um, it was more like I like the strobe. Like I like adding the strobe. Like I like the underexposed like the underexposed darker background, mm-hmm. more dramatic. Um, and I was never going, the only one I think I ever really shot at like noon was Bridget's. And I, there's a lot that I really technically dislike about those images because you've got snow and ice reflecting back into your lens and bright sun. And it was just horrible conditions, like horrible. So most of the stuff is either shot at sunrise or sunset. You know, my favorite one, um, is the one that looks like it's fogged in or it's cloudy. Yeah, yeah. 
I love that mood and that red cap just pops and she's just got this little swath of, you know, ice to work with where the snow looks like it's just coming in on her. Yeah, that's the blizzard day. Right. That's a, but it yeah, works. I love Louise. it. That's Lake Louise. Yeah. So my brother actually saw that. He's like, ooh, that one's really good. So Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I picked it and that one like, that one caught fire. Um, just like everyone loved that one. Um, but yeah, like, so like the day out with an eight was probably the best possible ice conditions I've ever seen in my entire life. That was like a dream day. Like it was, it was like, you didn't even, you just stood there and it blew, the wind blew you around, but it was so smooth. And like the ice was like, you could see. Like, it looked like I was walking on water. When I was out on it before I put my skates on, it looked like I was walking on the water. Right. Like, looking down, I could see the rocks. Like, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was such a great day. Um, then I had a few fails. So I was actually going to meet this uh, Colombian speed skater out on one of the lakes. And he got there a little before me, and he's like, I can't skate on this. The conditions are too bad. Really? And I said, okay, I'm going to try and rip to Spray Lakes because that's where I had been with Nate like two days before. Is that Canadian talk? Rip to Great Lakes? or uh, rip Drive? Yeah, yeah, drive up to Spray Lakes. I, I yeah. Them, I'm like, I'm going to make my way up there and I'll let you know. Like you could start making your way, but I'll let you know. It was, the road was so icy, so incredibly icy. Like people were hitting the guardrails coming down and the hill was so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a dangerous drive and especially with really icy roads. So I didn't even attempt, I'd stopped partway up, probably only like 10 minutes up and it's like a 40 minute drive up. Whoa. So I was like, no, I'm not doing this. So I called him and I said, you know what? This isn't going to work today. But I had a second speed skater coming out that day. I was shooting two that day. So, um, Gil Junio, who's actually one of our more famous, uh, like team Canada speed skaters. Mm-hmm. He has a really good, he has a really incredible story. Um, he gave up his spot at an Olympics to let a teammate skate in his spot. Like he did the the most Canadian thing possible and said, no, you, you skate this event. <laughs> and, and then the, the guy, the guy won a silver medal. Wow. Cause he didn't make it. He didn't qualify for that event cause he fell in the race in qualification. So he didn't make it in. Mm-hmm. And then at the Olympics, uh, Gil gave him the spot. It's like, it's a really, he's just, Gil's, Gil's just a really cool guy. Um, but so he was supposed to meet me out at Gap Lake as well. And then I was like, the conditions are garbage. I don't know what they look like in other places, but if you want to drive out to Johnson Lake, which is by Banff, which is like probably another 20 minutes from Gap Lake. I'm like, I can, I promise you, I will make a picture. Like, I will make something cool. I promise you. So we got there and the conditions were terrible. Like, like there was like a crust of snow on top of the ice that you'd fall through an inch. And then the ice would be there. Oh. It was really weird. It was like a weird shell of ice on top of ice. So it was, it was terrible. But. Like we took, I love the pictures. Like I love the pictures of him from that. They're beautiful. Like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't put his skates on at any point in time, but he's got his skates out there. Right. It's fine. Um, 
And then I had like some of the Hitman kids had reached out to me and said, we want pictures like Orcas. Uh, when can you do it? And then they came out. And uh, then a couple of the other ones, there's two that I didn't get in the mountains. So Chris Cedarstrand, but we were... So he had actually posted a, a video the day before. And so he used to be on our Team Canada sledge hockey team. Mm-hmm. And it was his first time, like, using his prosthetics to skate in 10 years. Or it's like his second, his second, yeah, his first time in 10 years or, like, since his accident or something like that. So when I had seen it, I'm like, you're perfect for this project. <laughs> like, the diversity here. Um, so I said, I want to photograph you, but this is going to be difficult because we had a huge snowstorm coming in. Basically, it's going to wreck all the ice. Oh, boy. We got like a foot of snow, a foot, like a more than a foot of snow. So we had to fight and race against that. So we just had to take the quickest available ice we could find outdoors. So like you could see a little house in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's that's what we had available and we wanted to get it in before the snowstorm had come. So we did that. And you could take what you get at that point. Exactly. And then kind of the same with Elage. So Elage Balde, he had kind of like went viral by posting this one backflip and figure skating picture from a a Calgary rink. And when I discovered that he was like, it was like blowing up. And when I discovered it had happened in Calgary, I'm like, again, like, a non-white figure skater, male figure skater, like, come on. This fits exactly what I'm working on. <laughs> I mean, So it's representation. It's important. Yeah. So, but he, like, we didn't meet in the mountains. We met, like, at a local, like, a local rink, like, well, rink, it's an outdoor, like, pond kind of thing at a park in town. Photos are good, but I didn't include it when I ha- when when all this was done. I didn't include it in my uh, like gallery, exi- let's say uh, exhibit of. I'm going to air quote this a little bit um, because it wasn't in the mountains. It didn't fit the it didn't fit the theme okay. of the rest of it. So okay. like it fit the theme in like amazing diversity, skill, and and talent, and all that kind of stuff, but. It didn't fit. Um, it didn't fit in that the all the others were in the mountains. So I'm like, I wanted to stick to that kind of consistent theme. Well, you, they're beautiful, and you nailed what you were trying to accomplish for sure. Yeah, like I had like, and the the t- like. Oh, I guess I should say I fell in one time. Oh, of course you did. Yeah, that was that was. Where are those photos? There's no fo- well because I'm. Like I fell in, so there's no photo of it. <laughs> oh, someone should have taken a snap. No, it's 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 very like it. Like I said, this is not a like the safest project in the world to work on. <laughs> no, so, no, not at all. The guys I was with when it happened, they were just genuinely worried about me. But I didn't, I didn't fall in enough. I didn't fall in enough for it to be life threatening. Uh, no, no, not in any. Just way, more embarrassing. No, I wasn't embarrassed. I wouldn't say I was embarrassed. It was like it was like an eye opener in certain things to be a little more cautious or research a little bit more on certain certain things like uh tendencies of ice in certain areas and what melts first and um 
what had happened was as I was testing this, I was testing the ice before we started and I was test. I put my stuff down in this one spot kind of towards a cliff edge off to the side. And then I went out onto the ice and there was like a lot of open water behind it. So it is thin ice, but I was out testing and like, I've got things in place and I'm testing and, and doing all this stuff. And then we, we decided it, yes, we're going to go ahead and yes, we're going to put our subjects out on this ice. And I just finished. And then I was walking back to my stuff and I got close to the cliff edge area and that's where the sun would directly hit and decay the ice, degrade degrade the ice, I mm-hmm. should say. And it was thick there. It was probably about five inches there, and I fell through. Wow. And But I was right near the edge, so I managed to throw myself forward enough that my elbows went on to the, to, to the ledge, and my camera stayed up and fine. And I threw myself forward and I, my foot caught a ledge on the drop underneath. So I fell through to just above my knees, but my foot caught on this ledge. And that's why I only fell that far because it was about a 60 foot drop there. <laughs> and my friend, she dives there. So she was telling me what it's actually like there when it's the summer. Um, so I threw myself forward and then the guys started coming skating towards me to help. And I just screamed at them because behind me it's deep water. There's no cliff edge where they were coming towards me and it's where it's still melting and degrading and they're on skates. I wasn't on skates. I was walking. So I had my boots. So my pounds per inch were less than their pounds per inch. So they're on skate blades and they're, they're, hockey players right so they're technically they're weighing a lot more because they're covering less surface right Mm -hmm. they're on two thin blades so they're they're weighing a a lot more now so i was like no like i just screamed at him i'm like no i'm fine like back up back up i'm like get on the rocks so they get they're fine they're safe so I, i pull myself out pack up my stuff and i'm like spiked with adrenaline so high for like the rest of the day well probably for about two hours um but i was so worried because one of the kids was i think he was 16 or 17 i was freaking out because i'm like don't tell your mom <laughs> don't tell your mom i fell in she'll be she'll be so upset well, then I was like, she follows me on Instagram, so I was like, oh, I don't even want to post about this, but I need to post about this because people need to know that it's actually pretty dangerous. Sure. So I'm like, people need to know not to just like see these things that people are out skating, having a good time and thinking, oh, yes, this is totally safe for me who knows nothing about ice and has no safety equipment with me um, to just just pop on the ice and just go. So I was like, I do need to post about this and say, like, this is a, a very big reality of what could happen. And so, like, I posted about it, but I hid their mom from my stories. I'm like, I don't want her to see this. Like, I need to talk to her first. <laughs> and then, Your mom can't see this. I know. It's so weird because I was so worried about their mom. And then, then I do finally talk to her. And then she's like, I heard you fell in. 
there are no secrets in this house. Yeah, I'm like, I heard you fell in, and I'm like, yeah. And then, and then it was like it. It was clear that she wasn't mad at me. Yeah, she's more worried. She's a mother. Oh, she's just such a wonderful human. I've always enjoyed my interactions with her because she's one of the kids that I was with was used to play, used to play for the Hitmen. So I had talked to her a little bit throughout because like she would get photos of her child. So she was uh, into, she was, she was, she was into following my account because I post more than just what like the team account would post. Right. Is this project still ongoing or has it run its course? It's run its course in my eyes. Okay. Um, The season this year has been not good. I don't have the time to invest in, in checking conditions and running out. Gas prices are insane right now. What are you paying per um, gallon? We pay per liter. Oh, that's right. Good lord. One forty-six per liter. In Canadian. In Canadian dollars. So now you have to do convert to gallons, and then you need to convert to American dollars. <laughs> so it's a lot of math. So you it's paid seventeen hundred dollars. No, I have no idea. Jesus. Well. Yeah, it's 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 just a, it's a little expensive right now, and like I said, the conditions are terrible, like just terrible out there right now. So it's not something I wanted to continue. Plus, there is like there is a bit of fear too. Like sure. I I am scared to to legitimately fall in and have to like you know have my gear take a bath and like putting other people at risk at times too. Like there's there's things that kind of like kind of enter my mind and stuff. Absolutely. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, d- and the people are just aren't available either. They're like, our, all our top athletes are at the Olympics right now. Yeah. Is there another project you have in mind that you're working on? Well, I was going to work on res rinks <laughs> this year. So I was going to work it on it similar in the same kind of capacity, but, um, but more like out in the communities, out in the communities and and what they're using to skate on um and show the that piece because it really lines up with lines up with kind of my values in photography and as like an indigenous person and showing positive type things like that are happening in the communities right right the resourcefulness um but i what i really wanted to start with my cousin's rink and we've been talking back and forth and he's like it's we have so much snow. He's like, I can't even clear it. And it's so cold. So they were like rolling minus 30, like a ton. Oh. And the roads to get up, it's a six hour drive for me. So the roads to get up there have been bad. They're really good right now. Like I probably could get up there now, but I also don't have the time. So like I haven't been able to start it and I don't think I'm going to get to it this year, which is unfortunate, but that's just like with, with, NHL games getting postponed and now rescheduled and, you know, uh, same with NLL and, and WHL. Like I, I don't really, and I teach, I don't really have the time to take like 10 hours of driving, um, to go run up North to try and get some of these photos and then rely on the people showing up and, like it's it's kind of a lot to kind of undertake right now, and I just don't really have the capacity to do it. Right? Yeah, that's it is a lot. Projects are, you know, a massive undertaking, especially if you want to do them right, and if you just want to do a 
a really good one. You don't want to do a half-assed one and be like, eh, I banged it out. All right, move on to the next one. Yeah, exactly, because it's not about banging it out. Like, that's not what it's about. You want to, like, you're investing in something, and it's, like, your own personal work. You want to make it good. Right. You're not You're not going to half-ass those. Like, you don't half-ass those. No. You half-ass those clients that don't uh, pay very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? What does the future look like for Candace? The future? Oh, what do I, what is it? What do I think it actually looks like or what do I want it to look like? Yes. What do you want it to look like? I want to work for an NHL team. Like I want to be their team photographer. That's what I want right now. Are you willing to work with one within the States or do you want to stay within the, within the few that are in Canada? I will go anywhere in the, in the NHL market. Has there been an opening recently that you've applied for? There was. I don't want to mention it. Okay. Um, I went very far in that process. Fantastic. But yeah. Um, would have loved to have been there. Would have loved it. I do think that they made a very good choice still. Yeah, I'm sure it's very competitive. Um. Yeah, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm qualified. Yes, you thing. are. Right. I'm qualified and I just feel it, it's just, it's really difficult because I, I tell people that I think it's legitimately harder to make it into the, it's legitimately harder to make it into the NHL as a team photographer than it is a player because there are just no openings. Right. There's only so many teams. They're not moving. Uh, I, I can name a ton of guys that have had those positions and they've been there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no reason for them to go anywhere. So yeah. Exactly. Um, and a lot of those guys are multi sport guys. So they might do the Bruins and the Celtics, or they might do, you know, they're not just one shooting one sport. So then they're, also tied into the arena and it's just a big thing. So to get one is a huge undertaking. Exactly. And that's like, that's the focus for me right now. Like I, I currently, I shoot hockey, lacrosse and, and football. Like that's under our umbrella here in Calgary is we've got two hockey teams. Um, so an NHL team and, um, a WHL team, so not AJHL, not the same as some places might have. Mm -hmm. It's WHL, um, NLL, so lacrosse, and CFL, so I have football as well. So I am covering all four teams, but like in a contract, in a contract capacity. Right. So it's not my full time job, and like I'm finding that I'm just so spread thin right now by having to make up like other stuff, like I'm teaching. So now I have all this marking and prep and all that stuff. So my brain goes into that, but then I have to, then I'm into all these games, have to edit them and then think about like, you know, we've got these like promo games coming up and think of some really fun creative that I can do to help promo those games. Um, so then I get into that headspace. Um, or just like the editing, like the, like Hitman specifically, I'm in that headspace, but then I have, now I'm cop like I'm copywriting for like a sports, like a, like a brand here. I'm just doing some 
I like writing. Okay. So like, I'll take the odd thing on if I think it's interesting. Um, and this, I actually like, it's just description writing for product mm-hmm. and, but it's like a sports brand. So it's fun to me. I don't mind doing it, but like my, I'm just so spread thin on these things. I would like to really be able to, to focus in on a specific team or organization and be that sure like if it was i'm not i'm just throwing this out as an example as boston i'm not just because you brought it up not because that's where i'm pursuing in any way right right, right. um it it would be like you get to know you get to know the characters and the players like the athletes and you treat the like it's like characters and you really want to learn how to sell the characters and and really tell their story and really invest into that Mm -hmm. or the Bruins, those kind of things. Like you want to focus in on that and and do the best for that organization and not have your attention diverted to these other things that you have to do to fill in the gaps. Right. And I'm not saying I'm not paid well, like I am paid well, but it's, it's not, sustainable it's not enough to sustain what i need to do absolutely yeah that's always the biggest challenge in our field yeah is so like i'm taking on projects or jobs that are not necessarily like within my future goals um but i have to take them because they're like higher paying Mm -hmm. they're higher paying gigs where i can make you know in a day like a full month's worth of, you know, you know, that would, that would, yeah, that would basically cover all my month's bills in a day. Right. Right. So, yeah. But I just like, that's not where my heart is. And that's not where my attention is. It's like, I want, I want to, I want to get invested into a team and tell their stories and, and document their history. Like that's where I want to be. That's what I want to be doing. What do you want to be better at? Is it business, marketing, uh, maybe communicating to the client uh, better? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be better at everything. Um, I want to be better at uh, coming up with like, well, one, like set, like set design. Okay. So, having a budget, like being able to work within a budget and create kind of interesting visuals, mm-hmm. um, like something with more production value to it. Um, I would like to be better just technically, like technically better. Okay. Um, marketing. Sure. I don't, I don't know how like, necessarily some marketing is going to get me in the door where I want to like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not really a thing that, and business, like there, there's some, there's some like client relation stuff that I think I could be better at. Like I'm really, really great with working with athletes and, and on that level for sure. But there's some levels that like, I think I could be maybe a little bit better. Okay. Um, I don't know though if that's me actually having to be better or if it's perhaps um 
a gender perspective on how I'm viewed at times. Okay. Do you think that's an issue? Oh, I know that's an issue. 100%. I know that's an issue. In, it, we were, we prefer to hire a male or. Just... Uh, yes. Okay. And, um, it's just a whole thing. Right. I'll say it's just a whole thing. Like, even if you're in, even if you're in, like, I think there's just like, you can still feel it. Like being a woman, I can still feel it mm-hmm. in, in certain things. I don't necessarily want I don't want anyone to assume it's specific clients. So I'm careful to like, right. to say things like I've had, I've had some, like my clients are amazing and I love working with all of them because I wouldn't work with them if I didn't. Um, in very specific cases or very specific scenarios, which I wouldn't get into publicly in any way. Um, I feel it. I'll say, I feel it for sure. Okay. At this point in my career, like, I think I feel like I've gotten, I've gotten as far as my specific talent and skill can go. And now unfortunately it's left up to the people who choose to open the doors for me now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. In a very political kind of way. No, absolutely. And sometimes it's, it's almost better. You're not working with certain people because you don't need that kind of crap, but it shouldn't be that way. And like opportunities shouldn't be closed off to me because of that kind of crap. No, like it is, it should be my choice to whether I want to deal with it or not. Right. Right. Absolutely. But and then, I do, I do want to deal with it. Like I do want to be like, I think, I think when you look at the NFL, the NFL has been doing an amazing job in hiring women and diverse women, um, like on their photography teams. Okay. Like I, I see it a lot more in the NFL than any of the other leagues out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's coming and we're there, we're, we're there we're in that space, but it's still, still unfortunately taking some time because like, like you said, you don't have a reason. You're not going to let somebody go. That's been great for you for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna, I don't, I don't care who you are, what you do, what you look like. You can have three legs and one eye. If you can make a picture for me, I'm hiring you. So I've never understood I am only going to hire, you know, left-handed Korean, South Korean women born in June. Yeah. On even months. Or even, yeah. Like, it just, I don't understand that. But in the conversation, if you have women, if you have women that are qualified and you're, you're working with a team or a league that promotes this equality, if you've got, if you've got equal, like, you should you should it should matter sometimes because yeah. representation does matter yeah yeah and equality does matter so like it's not about tokenism by any means but like if you're if you're qualified like you got to kind of lead the charge sometimes too right yeah no sometimes you you've, you've got to yeah you've got to like that's sometimes that's the right decision you can't, I struggle with this a little bit with like a lot of this, like truth and reconciliation that we have here 
like um like we have a whole like we have a national holiday for it now and everyone's putting on putting on their orange shirts and all the leagues are promoting this but like what are you doing inside like what are you doing to amplify indigenous voices i don't see many teams in any league where you're you're amplifying those voices and hiring indigenous content creators or writers, broadcasters, camera people. Um, like I don't see it. I see it happening on the day when they're putting their shirts on, but I'm not seeing a lot of action actually taking place. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of putting crap on the field slogans. Oh, yeah. This, that. And it's like, what are you really doing? That what does that slogan do? It looks great on TV, but are you really, are you really going the distance and putting the effort in on the back end when nobody's looking? Exactly. That's my point. Is that I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like in it. I am this. I am this voice. I am like so obviously like my teams have all hired me not because of that reason. My teams have hired me because I'm qualified to do the job I'm doing and I'm good at what I do. And it's just that piece that, that if they're working in the communities, like the him and are a good example in that we've created through, through like a conversation I had with my friend talking about how a certain community wanted to build a relationship with actually was the Stampeders, but we directed them to the hitman this beautiful relationship has formed with them that we've got, um, you know, things happening and movement happening. Like we've got specific games. We've got jerseys that, that go to auction that, that benefit minor sports out in the community. Like there's movement happening. So like, it's great to see. And it's, but it's also like when you have somebody, when you have somebody like me, who's very proud of my indigenous heritage in the team, when we're out in the community or they see me working the games, they see a spot for themselves in organizations like the Hitman, aside from having to think that they have to make it as a player or a coach, they're seeing that there are roles available to them within the organization because they see, oh, look, they have an indigenous photographer. Mm -hmm. Like that's the grassroots type stuff that happens in like those kind of things is like you're seeing you're going out into these communities and you're, you're, you're doing these things, but the representation there is like, I'm coming with them and I'm documenting this. It's like their people are seeing, okay, this is not just the talk. They're walking the walk. They've got people, they've got, they've got indigenous people working within their organization this is what really it's about is really like how, how do we work together and how is there a place for each other in each other's space and community? Yeah, absolutely. What, what you, you said it a couple of times, where do you absorb your like creative influence? Are you cruising websites? Do you have like a routine in the morning? Is it Instagram? What, where where do you go to like see and get a little inspiration? Could be anything. For a while, you'll love this. For a while, part of it was talking to you. 
there was one thing you said to me one time, one time that like changed the game for me forever. And I think is like one of the core reasons why I'm so good at what I do. And it was like, it was one off the cuff comment that you made. You looked at a picture and you said, this is good, but where's the connection? And I was like, I'd been so focused at the time on the gear and the light and moving light certain ways and posing people the certain way that I hadn't thought about the connection. And then I was looking and I, when I'd look in the eyes, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel the photo. So like I immediately came home from when I had saw you immediately came home, made my dad pose for these pictures and like, I, I don't know if you ever saw those pictures of my dad. No. Oh, those like went viral too. They were like on Reddit Photoshop battles. <laughs> <laughs> you got to send those. I got to see them. They're ridiculous. So I just like, I, I, I worked with somebody I knew I could connect with and that I had a connection with and I needed to take that and translate it through photos worry less about the light. So I literally didn't give him any directions aside. Like I didn't say like put whatever on. Uh I just set up a little mini studio in their tiny little basement apartment. And I didn't tell him to shave. I didn't tell him to brush his hair. Nothing. I just wanted to capture his exact character in that time. And I said, okay, come stand here, make some faces for me. And he just like went to town. And he made all these ridiculous faces. If you have me on Facebook, I think you can find them as one of my profile pictures. Okay. Um, that was the moment. Like, that's when it changed. Like, the, the game totally changed for me. And, like, everything I do now has to be inspired by, like, the connection. The connection piece is so important to me. So, like... It could be the most technically sound picture in the world, but if they're dead in the eyes, it's nothing. I'll yeah. toss it. Yeah, absolutely. There's... So, like, yeah, that that piece of inspiration came from you, and it changed, like, the whole course of how I shoot. Like, my connection and my relationships, my ability to relationship build and understanding the importance of connections, like, the relationships I have with all the different athletes and people that I work with came from that conversation and understanding the, the, the pure value of how connection comes through and like the relationship part of, of like how I build relationships with people is because then I feel that they're a lot more comfortable around me and around the camera that you're getting the true story. You're getting the true character and the true essence of that person. So like, they're not bothered. They're not bothered doing their pregame routine. If I'm there, because like I have an understanding of who they are and like a relationship with them, whether it's like, it, like I'm going to say 90% of the time, it's a professional relationship. 10% is like, so there's a, a women's tackle football team that I've worked with 
a lot of them are my good friends now. So that's outside of having a professional relationship with them. It's like when you see that one dog that I post about all the time, I met her through that team. The the person who owns that dog, I met her through the team. And then girls I work out with, I met them through the team. There's lots of like, there's, there's a lot of those like friendships that have spurred off of these, but during during their games, I still follow the same rules. If they're still there, I don't go up to them and start talking to them. I still don't talk to them at all. Keep your distance. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I totally don't – I don't inject myself into any part of it. It's pure documentation at that time. Right. It's not time. It's not time for portraits and friendship. It's time for work for yeah. both of us. They're working. I'm working. Right. Like, I might – like, after the game, if I see them – if I see them heading to their car, yes, I'll talk to them then. But aside from that, it's like from the moment I step out of my car, I don't say a word to any of them. Like any of those like pre-existing type relationships don't. But I'll talk to people on Instagram. I'll I'll text like we'll text together or whatever. And, you know, like athletes will message and be like, hey, do you have any pictures of this? And then I'll or I'll comment on pictures of their dogs like building it's building those building those relationships mm-hmm. but that that came from you like that came from what that one comment that one tiny comment you made to me looking at some picture i had taken yeah well i, I see the photo of your dad and it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> do you feel the connection in that photo yes yes i do yeah so, it, I think that's lost so often, and it doesn't matter if it's a commercial, a brand, high fashion, whatever. Like, there's so often that is like forgotten, and I'm like, why do I care about this? They look miserable. This photo's garbage. This scene doesn't work. Like, they've just lost. Like, why I should care? And there's no connection to it, and I, it drives me nuts that uh, that is sometimes not put forth like to remember do you feel it when you look at my pictures on like in this project i do absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like not a sports action you're not going to see it in my sports action no like sports sports action is totally different because you're you're not in control as much as like capturing thing or or creating it as much as capturing what is instantly happening there are times you get to make it in sports action whether it's a remote or putting yourself somewhere or waiting for the subject to get lined up with the shaft of light or the reflection or whatever but mm-hmm. when you have total control there is zero excuse for why things don't work out if you're trying to operate yourself and create an absolute perfect picture and i think too often people don't want to do that and make a perfect picture. They're just trying to make a picture or take a picture at the very least. And they don't even think about making one. Yeah. And that just drives me nuts. Yeah. Like in portraits, it's very like I have, I've had some challenging people for sure in front of my lens. Um, that's, that's a given. Um, but I think like my years and years of bartending has helped for sure. Cause you're trying to get their money all the time. So you're trying mm-hmm. to do it as quick as possible. So you're trying to make an impression quickly. 
to be like, yes, that was great service. I'm going to give you money. So it's kind of the same, kind of the same thing. You're not getting money from these people, but you're getting connection. Right. You're getting that look. So like walking up somebody I've never met before and being like, start working with them for the first time. Like a lot of the time. So I get a lot of the CFL guys. I'll start working with them. Um, but by the end of the shoot, I always hear that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And I really like this. And like the start of the shoot might be a little more, a little more rough, but I'll take, I'll take some pictures that are, if we're just like doing a walk or something like that, and I'm just shooting street type stuff, mm-hmm. lifestyle based stuff. I'll, I'll talk, I talk to them a lot. We walk maybe a block. I don't usually meet them in the exact location all the time. Um, so that I can, I can start talking to them a little bit first. Right. So then they can get to know, and they're a little more comfortable with me. And then, then we start shooting and by the end of the shoot, like we've got lots, like we've got lots of really good stuff and you feel the connection a lot more throughout because they've relaxed. Yeah. It's, there's something to be said about making that connection and, and having it translate in your photos. And Mm -hmm. So many people just don't do it, and I don't understand why. I think that's right now. Like, honestly, that probably is my biggest strength. Like, aside from my work ethic, I think that my ability to connect and really showcase character is probably my strongest my strongest asset right now. And I think that it's it's not as valued as much as it should be like you said it's just not as it's not valued as much but i think if you took it away and you changed out photographers to somebody totally new you you're going to still see great pictures but i think you're going to start lacking character in certain in certain places you're not going to understand you're not going to understand like you're selling like as a team photographer you're selling a team you're selling a brand and a culture, but you're selling, like you're selling your characters too. You want people to buy into these people. You want them to want to buy jerseys. Like, yeah. yes. like take someone, for example, like Matthew Kachuk. I love that guy. He's so great to work with, but like you see him just on the ice and he's a pest, the best kind of <laughs> pest. Like for us, he's an amazing pest because he draws penalties like nobody else can. Um, and like he's a character for sure but like there's ways there's ways to capitalize on that too like to really showcase to really showcase that to the public and get people behind these characters like behind their character behind these players and and like really you know make make your city and fall in love with them right or right. sell them as an enemy, like however the narrative goes. Sure. Like there's a lot like that's what that's how I see how sports photography has changed in the last probably ten years is you're seeing a lot more of this behind the scenes selling the like accessibility to the fans and, oh, and yeah. having the fans really truly understand what these people are like and that they are people. Yeah, very much so. So much yeah. now is pulled back the curtains and showing people, which 20 years ago they would thought be silly, like 
guys on the bus playing cards, getting on an airplane. Now that's all fans want to see. Nobody yeah. cares about a catch or a tackle or a goal. They want to see, you know, guys sharpening their skates or guys picking out, you know, game day uniforms, all that stuff. Yeah. What they walked into the rink wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Like on my feed, like on my personal, like Instagram feed, I don't like post a ton of action, like straight action stuff anymore because it just isn't like, yes, it's still, it's super important, but there's so much behind like what the teams actually use and they don't use a lot of the action action stuff with the opposing team in it. Um, You are going to use a lot more of these like feature-y kind of, I like I'm using the term featurey because mm-hmm. I come from news. Mm-hmm. Um, character based imagery. Right. That's that's what we're what you're using to sell your team. So like I'm in a I'm in a good position in that like I'm able to like I have the trust of the people who are in the images. Right. So I might not have the best technical abilities and certain things to like point strobes in an arena to a certain way to get this certain light or something like that. But I, I have the relationships, the professional relationships with the people involved to get pictures that maybe other people aren't getting, or like I've built the really, I've built the relationships, those professional relationships to, to make it possible for those opportunities to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is like invaluable to have that. I mean, I can come up for the weekend and teach you where to put the strobes, but I can't over the weekend tell you how to operate with athletes or clients. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. It's still, it's still a little bit of a hard sell sometimes to get, to get certain people on board. Um, but like teams like, like the Calgary rage and like hockey Canada. Oh, hockey Canada is so great. They really do they do appreciate like that kind of like behind the scenes type um, images. Um, COVID obviously changed a lot in that area, Mm -hmm. like being closer to athletes and things like that, but I don't do anything. I don't go anywhere. So (laughs) I've been been pretty good. (laughs) If people wanted to see your stuff, where would they go? They can go to my website. So it, because I'm Canadian, it is Candace. It's, Candice Ward, so Candice with an I, I-C-E, um, dot C-A, not dot com, dot C-A. <laughs> Don't screw it up. And that's not California. That That's that's Canada. Yeah, that's Canada. Also, <laughs> my name is spelt with an I, not with an A. So think about my ice project. I'm Candice with the ice at the end. <laughs> what about Instagram. Instagram, it is Candace Ward Photography. Ooh. It's are a whole you, long, long are you on, name. Are you on Twitter, Snapchat, I am Instagram, on the Twitter. To, to, to all, everything? Are you still on Vine? I am not. <laughs> I also am not on Snapchat. Uh, uh, um, TikTok? No, I just, uh, I just peruse it. Okay. Uh, I prefer else? the reels what, on the Insta. As I say, what else are the kids uh, these days uh, looking at? Um, are you on Facebook, on? but I am on Facebook, okay. but they're not, the kids are not there. <laughs> the kids aren't there. No, not at all. All three of my kids have 
no idea why there's even a Facebook anymore. I know, right? Oh, my God. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and, and hanging out with me tonight. I know it's, it's getting late for you, your bedtime. Wolf, oh, I know. The wolves are probably uh, calling. What's the temperature right now for you? It's actually really warm. Um, one second, and I can tell you. It was really warm today. Like T-shirt weather almost. Yeah, but when you say that, you're going to be like, it's 38. And because you're in Canada, that's probably true. Well, it's currently 12 degrees Celsius. Which is uh, like 50? 48. Let me see. Let me turn it to the Fahrenheit. Yes, please. 50, 54. Oh, so close. Damn it. Oh, all right. Well. Yeah, like that's actually like we get in Calgary, we get Chinooks. So like we get we get uh, decent swings of warm weather. But like over Christmas, it was minus 30 no. uh, or minus 35. No. Like it was going. No. And back home, it was like creeping minus 50 ish. No, thank you. Not so, a chance. Oh, I didn't. I I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I, I definitely stayed in that whole time, and I didn't. I did not go anywhere. <laughs> oh God, that's cold. Yeah. Well, you're the best. Um, I, I wish you all luck, and I I've got to drag the family, which it wouldn't be really dragging, but take the can uh, take them out there in in July and come out to uh, to Calgary and and see the stampede and do the rodeo and the whole shebang. Oh, you got to. You have to experience it once. Yes. I, I did it a million years ago when I was a young lad, so I got to take the kids. and. Uh, well, it's a totally different experience then. <laughs> yeah. It's only been 46 years since I last did it, so yeah, I'm sure it's a little different than the last time I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I still wish I had my cowboy hat from when I was there. But I don't think it would fit anymore. But it was... you can buy some at the dollar store. Uh, with I've a got little, some little I've plastic got... sheriff yeah, badge. No, I've got mine. I did have a. Oh my god, I did. I did. A, uh, I had a little badge and a little gun, and I was able to take that onto the plane back then. <laughs> but I did have a Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I was carrying along too, so I wasn't that you know badass at four. So but... I'd like to see this photo. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I could dig it up. I'm. I'm sure my mom took it on a 110 Kodak, you know, Instamatic camera. Nice. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Candace, uh, you're the best. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks so much. All right. See you. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Candace Ward. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe as well. Please leave a review if you like what you heard. And remember, you can always follow the podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website, justagoodconversation.com.